Welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart adjacent podcast in the world. I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the virgin voyager, Joe Garber. And tonight we follow Joe Grafazzi? Grafazzi. Joe Grafazzi. Two natural born killers. <laughs> we couldn't wait to get started. By Oliver Stone. Um, who uh, I was just saying. <laughs> is abhorrent. I have a weird fondness for uh, Oliver Stone that I will specify a little more yeah, uh, once, we'll, we, once we get into it. But first. Definitely talk about it. We have to find out what the fuck happened in this movie. <laughs> And the the only person that can do it in sixty seconds is Ellen. It, it's true. Um, thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Um, I'm so excited to be here <laughs> and to talk for sixty seconds um, about this film from 1994 called Natural. <laughs> natural born killers or as i texted eric this week as i tried to get out of watching it natural born kill me <laughs> um natural born all right kill me <laughs> that's such a garfield and, joke and, <laughs> i do love lasagna and i hate my ears. <laughs> What's with that little dick normal toxic positivity, anybody? Normal. All right. All right. Here we go. Natural born killers. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> shit. No, no, no. So please, please this start counts. your, start your timer, timer again. I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you run out the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to let you run out of the clock. That is some goodwill hunting ass bullshit. I don't remember how it started. <laughs> well, you don't I need to. I seriously don't remember. You, you just need to tell us, you know, okay, in general. Okay. What's, uh, <laughs> okay, hang on. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's two white people that had really <laughs> terrible childhoods, and we see a little bit of that, and one of them is a butcher, and then it's just like crazy angles and black and white shit and all this stuff about American mythology. Is it about American mythology? Is it about your dad who fucks you? I don't know, but um, they go on a Charles Starkweather, Carol Fugate-esque killing spree, everybody, and it is... Mickey and Mallory, oh shit, I just remembered how it opens. It opens in that diner where she's dancing real sexy because, well, who doesn't love Julia Lewis? But anyways, it's just like a, a meditation on the media and like they just kill, 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 kill. And everybody's like, oh my God, I love Mallory and Mickey and blah, blah, blah. And then hideously they go uh, on the Navajo reservation and then it get, it kind of shifts gears and gets crazy and there's a lot of snakes and they, uh, he accidentally kills the man and then Mickey shifts gears and he kind of becomes the voice of, I don't know, morality against the media. And, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. And that is always great. The end. <laughs> the end. Well done. Thanks. Okay. My turn. Sorry, let me get my Lydia Tar on. <laughs> 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 uh, <okay. laughs> too soon too soon i know she fell and died at the 
<laughs> Too soon. Rest oh, in peace, Lydia Tsar. died on the stairs. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the, for the two gay men that, <laughs> that, that uh, get that joke, I, I kiss you. Okay. <laughs> Minimax, time for Natural Born Killers. In 1970, there was a very somber movie called The Honeymoon Killers about a woman whose boyfriend <laughs> takes her on a killing spree, and she just is so in need of his love that she goes. She's completely uh, along for the ride on this. It's a very bleak and dour movie. It's horribly. It's really difficult to watch. Oh. In 1973, legendary director Ter- Terrence Malick made this movie called <laughs> Badlands. That is a uh, very poetic and romantic movie about a young couple who go on a killing spree, mm-hmm. and the media <laughs> uh, creates folk heroes out of them. Quentin Tarantino loved this movie. So he wrote True Romance, which is a movie about a young couple who goes on a crime spree, but <laughs> reluctantly, and it's very likable. Um, he also wrote Natural Born Killers, which was taken by Oliver Stone and made into a media circus style um, 90s, fully 1994, Lollapalooza of um, imagery <laughs> and sound. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You Great. Went, you, went, you dug deep. For I that just, advance. you know. <laughs> I mean. What else am I going to say? <laughs> that's, I'm, this is the first time I've ever worried that I'm not going to be able to fill the minute. Because. Wow. Okay. What? Joe, you're I, the best at minute I know. Maxing. Joe is minute. He is minute max. Yeah, he's you're minute maximus. Wait, the we, minute yeah, maximum. we usually watch the thickest of plots, but this was not. <laughs> this was not that. All wow. right. I'm okay. so excited about this episode, you guys. <laughs> okay. All well, right. That makes one of us. Okay. Natural born killers. All right. We're somewhere between David Lynch, Baz Luhrmann, and <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. And there's two, there's a couple who are very much in love with each other and they're just murdering at random. And we keep cutting to black and white. And at first it's annoying, <laughs> but then it becomes kind of effective and then it is kind of annoying again. And it's this couple that she has been raped by her dad. And so he comes in and he kills her parents and they light her mom on fire. And then she tells her little brother that he's <laughs> finally free. And then they run away and steal his car and drive across America, just randomly killing people. They kill cops. Uh, they kill a cyclist, which is the most scariest part of the movie for me. Uh, and then they're, they break up. Uh, she gets bit. She, they uh, are on a, a reservation and they kill an indigenous person. And she gets bit by a rattlesnake and they have to go to a, a drug store to get drugs for her rattlesnake bite. And then they get caught by the police and they go to jail for a year and they're in jail. And then there's a prison riot and then they with filmed with real prisoners at a real prison. And then they get out and everyone's dead and everyone's cut up and then they kill the last guy and then they run off into the sunset. The end. Okay, you I killed it. Nailed it again. I, uh, yeah. I naturally born killed that. Minute, minute max. Maximus, <laughs> the gladiator of the Minute uh, Max. I'm very excited yeah. to talk about this movie. Also, being the Virgin Voyager, Oliver Stone is a name I know. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about him last time, I was like, I know that name. I this is the only Oliver Stone movie <gasps> I've ever seen. Really? What? Yeah. I've never I don't think I've ever seen any of his other movies. Holy shit. Oh, okay. Wow. That's wow. that There's is really good to know. I was like, because I was like, I know Oliver Stone. Obviously, I've heard that name a lot. And I looked through uh-huh. his list of films that he's directed. and I have never seen any of them. Wow. Oh, so, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, that I, honestly. I was concerned to be unavoidable. That Me too. <laughs> See, that's I, No, I, I avoided. <laughs> I think, I think this, is, this is like time of birth <laughs> showing 
Just because, like, in the 80s, you couldn't escape Oliver Stone. If yeah. you yeah. tried, yeah. if you no, wanted no. to escape him, mm. you would be uh, summoned by the courts to sit down <laughs> yeah. and watch Platoon. Stone duty. You'd, you would have stone duty. Um, and I'm personally a fan of his film JFK, uh, mainly because it's this sprawling investigative mystery that has no solution. Um, so it's like this, yeah. to me, it's like the ultimate puzzle movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it has elements like courtroom drama and and some spycraft and mm. um, a lot of homophobia and racism. Great. Um, which, you know, makes a movie wonderful. Fun. And then he made The Doors. Uh, <laughs> I hate The Doors. And... <laughs> Man, I forgot about The Doors. I hate the band, The Doors. I should uh, be more specific. The movie, I think, is weird. Uh, okay. And, and it is the closest thing. To JFK and The Doors, if you, if you were to turn those movies into cards and shuffle that deck, mm-hmm. Natural Born Killers. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what Natural Born Killers is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. I'm looking now because I, I'm just like, oh, my God. I realize there's just... So many movies mm-hmm. by Oliver Stone. And I just realized that the movie that I always think is by Oliver Stone that I like isn't by Oliver Stone. Oh, so what, that's embarrassing. What movie is Nope, that? nope, nope. Oh. Um, but I will say my favorite Oliver Stone movies, if we're playing that game, are we doing that? Yeah. Is that we're doing? Sure. Okay. I mean, Nine Snacks um, Born Killers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's confusing, though, because so many of his films are such important pieces of pop culture so so profoundly influential on other media Mm -hmm. like referenced constantly i mean wall street is an inescapable reference gordon gecko is an inescapable reference i feel like yeah i mean it's just a lot it's a lot so he is just there all the time but i really liked salvador I was going to guess really that. Liked, <laughs> yeah, I really liked Salvador, and that might partly be because it was kind of like touching a subject matter that I was weirdly kind of obsessed with what is at that? that time. Is that about Salvador Dali? No. Oh. No. What is? Um, it's about a journalist covering uh, El, El Salvador. But um, oh, oh, oh. I like to talk radio. Oh, I forgot he did talk radio. Um, talk TV radio. Theater. I no. like talk radio. <laughs> Talk Radio was a play by Eric Bergosian that uh, Oliver Stone made into a feature film, which is literally Eric Bergosian sitting at a desk for an hour and 40 minutes talking Mm -hmm. into a microphone. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is, I I saw it as a child and children children shouldn't enjoy that. But for some reason, I thought it was very compelling. So okay, I'm curious. I, like, I really like Talk Radio. How did you yeah. both come upon Natural Born Killers and watch Natural Born Killers? Oh, I I was uh fully in my I'm a movie nerd phase uh-huh. of teen life uh, when I realized that like um you know it's I hate to I hate to make this the point of reference, but it was post Pulp Fiction, um mm-hmm. when when a whole world of cinema opened up to the suburban public yeah. uh, who didn't know any better, right. like didn't know that Hong Kong was, was one of the biggest producers of films in the world and that Bollywood existed mm-hmm. and that like, <laughs> that, uh, 
Americans have been making movies in in relative secret for like a <laughs> hundred years, uh, and they're really good. Uh-huh. So yeah, I was getting really nerdy, getting really into into movies, and Natural Born Killers looked like. Uh, I remember when it came out, I did think this looks like shit. This looks dumb. Oh, um, wow! And I didn't know Quentin Tarantino had anything to do with it mm. until until I went to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to see it because there was so much controversy about it, kicked up by pretty much the same people that uh, Tipper Gore was like trying yeah. to ban, ban music. Behind. Put the stickers on it. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, oh. it's the same people that want drag queens to stop performing in front of anyone. Oh, oh. So okay. I that the whole controversy, of course, I, when I see controversy going in that direction, I immediately jump on the opposite end of it and right. want to contribute. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You want to give it money. I do. So I went to see This uh, is like late teens or early teens or uh, late teens. I was 17, 16, okay. 17. Okay. And it's prime, prime uh, natural born killer territory. 100%. So, yes, I, I saw the movie and I thought it was spectacular. You loved it. I loved it because it was like the way that I had seen JFK already and really loved JFK. And oh. JFK is a very similarly made film. It is multiple film uh, techniques, mm-hmm. multiple film stocks. A lot of different editing technique, lighting technique, mm-hmm. acting technique, directing technique, like all these different things to to confuse you into thinking that things are real, mm-hmm. which I thought he was great at. Um, and mm-hmm. that was what, 1991? Mm-hmm. Uh, so 1994, it's Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. He's going way more experimental. He is hiring a lot more young people to help create this mm-hmm. this movie. Um, he's taking a lot of drugs, admittedly, like during the film, the whole, all of them are taking a lot of mushrooms and mescaline. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I thought it was so unique Uh and so Uh visceral. And at the time in 1994, it was, yeah. Um, and watching it last night was the first time I've watched it since like, (laughs) it's been 10 years at least. Wow. It had to be longer than 10 years. Is this your third viewing? No. Oh, no. Okay. I'll finish my. (laughs) origin story i fell in love with that movie so much i bought Mm. the vhs when it came out (gasps) and then when i uh owned a laserdisc player Mm -hmm. i bought the 100 (laughs) dollar pioneer elite (gasps) edition laserdisc which was i believe five discs Whoa! Yeah, you can you can put like thirteen minutes on a disc. So it had the film, it had the movie, Uh the theatrical cut of the movie, and then it had eight perfectly edited deleted scenes, like perfectly edited and like full scenes, not just like little what whatever, like Mm -hmm. entire moments of the movie that were just excised with like Tommy Lee Jones on a stake. That was not on Uh, that. That that, didn't come out until the blue until the DVD of the director's cut came out. Okay. Um, But yeah, I've I needless to say, I was obsessed with this movie. I would invite friends over to watch this movie, and we would discuss it, and we would like watch all the deleted scenes, and we were very very into it. That's that's fun. Before Ellen, I want to hear your origin story, but there like. I didn't know that about you in this movie until I was like holding, I take photos of the film as we're watching for my notes to like (laughs) make sure that I can remember what happens. And like, if I want to talk about something and there was like Uh a weird warping effect on a face for the mushroom. Sure. And so I was holding my phone up 
to take another photo when it happened again. And Eric, I was holding my phone up so long and Eric was like, that doesn't happen again. And I was like, then I, I fully realized like, <laughs> oh, he knows this movie. Wow. He has seen this before. I didn't, I didn't realize until that moment. I was uh, like, whoa, yeah. okay. He like knows the, the shots specifically of this movie. Ellen, how did you come to Natural Born Killers? <laughs> <laughs> how did it find you? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at, at Oliver Stone's uh, directorial <laughs> portraits content, and, and just kind of, I'm like, oh, there's a number of them that I haven't seen, and a couple... Like it's like oh yeah any given Sunday huh oh I forgot he did that yeah, yeah. I never I, saw I, it World I Trade Center I didn't did, hate did it did you watch World Trade Center no uh, no <laughs> no the trailer I did watch I didn't see it. heaven I, and earth I watched W did you watch W I did yeah that was a weird one um <laughs> I didn't hate it I didn't hate it either yeah so but Ellen the first yes. time you ever saw Natural Born Killers and how many times I, have you seen it. I have seen it twice. Okay, so once. I saw it <laughs> once in the theater. The exact opposite of Eric's. Yeah. yeah, and I saw it over the last three days, kind of. <laughs> so when you first saw it, had you heard about it? or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Eric was saying, it was, it was a, a big deal, and it was very much, like Eric was saying, a moment in the broader culture of movie and media that this new like to america new style of filmmaking was still kind of like the talked about thing you know like quentin tarantino and films like natural born killers like those those films just shook it up Mm -hmm. like it shook up the multiplex and Mm -hmm. that was really interesting for me because my experience with film you know growing up at a just a perfect moment in Seattle was with parents that didn't care what I did was that I could just get on the bus and go to so many movie theaters. Also, I did not like going to school and movies would play during the day. So yeah. And, and so many movie theaters and, um, Oh my God, that's amazing. So many super special places to see films, you know, like you could go, like roll on down to the Pike Place Market and see Eddie Warhol's bad, you know, like it was like that. <laughs> That's and rad. so I was fortunate enough, and also around the same time, I don't remember, Eric. Do you remember when AMC dropped? Uh, when uh, the the cable channel? Yeah, I don't remember the specific time, um... but so yeah, it's just all part of this. This thing for me was I was addicted to AMC, our local TV channels, like almost every local TV network in a reasonable sized city had multiple opportunities to see films throughout the day, late at night and on the weekends, like more focused films. So it was just a, uh, I consumed a lot, a lot, a lot of film yeah. and where am I going with this? I can't remember. This is your I first didn't really born. like natural born killers. <laughs> But did you go? Is it too soon for me? <laughs> did you no, go? You went like that. in the middle of the day, and like you just you had heard of it of it obviously. Oh, right? I just went. It was like it was at like the big theaters. This was not like a specialty film. This no, was a it, was, it was film. right like at the mall, which I'm still surprised yeah, at about. The mall. But but you, this is just, like you just hated it the whole time through. Like um no, I mean I kind of went just because I felt like I needed to see it. Um, it's I'd like seen... when I went to see La La Land. Right, like social pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Right. Well, just, you know, you want to stay fluent Yeah. Mm-hmm. in film. And Oliver Stone had done a couple films that one of which I really liked mm-hmm. and a few that I thought were interesting. One that I still just super hate to this day. You know, like it just sometimes you just have to go into the belly of the beast or, you know, you're just checking it out. Like when somebody's making that many films that get that much attention mm-hmm. across the board, but natural born killers was the one where stylistically, I feel like it really went nuts and compared to his other films. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was just you know, like everybody's all fast cuts and splattered blood and dark humor mm-hmm. and, and, it just, you know, I don't know. So I went to see it. Sorry, this is long. Um, I saw it. <laughs> you saw it. And I saw it. And that's and the end of your relationship. With- <laughs> yes, yeah. that's my... But- I'm just so curious, like, walking out of that theater, how did you feel? Like, whoa. I'm just, I'm curious about that. You mean, like, was I like, I hated that? Yeah. Or was I whatever? Or I'm just like blinking. Did it make you feel sick? Were you like, that's... Bloated on popcorn. That, the violence... <laughs> Like, was it scary? Like, oh no, 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 no. no. Um, my thoughts about the film were like, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it didn't, it wasn't compelling to me. You're like, why um, is this so famous? I, no, I just not even that. I, don't I think appreciated she about it that much at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, I there's elements of the arc of the story mm-hmm. that I really, really liked, mm-hmm. and it made sense for that, that moment in time. Like, I, I feel like I, I understood what, what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that rings true to this day. Like I totally get it. But in terms of just like a filmmaker experience, it, I just didn't, didn't care about it. But I also grew up watching, um, being allowed to watch a lot of really violent, consume a lot of really violent films at this point by 1994 badlands was already established as one of my favorite films of all time oh wow so you know and you guys know i love killing <laughs> yeah things. we do love killing i love stuff about you know the killings yeah and and it was something like one thing when i because i was thinking about like wow why didn't i like dig into this deeper because it is the kind of film that that fosters what eric's describing for himself and so it's really interesting to me that we had such opposite yeah. reactions to it in terms of it, like really getting its claws into us. But one thing that I do like about it, one of the reasons that I was like, mm, besides just checking the box of going to see film that that makes a ripple mm-hmm. is that one thing that Badlands in particular did for me and still does for me is it really taps into this love and fascination that I have for stories that we think of as American yeah, and that taps into American mythology that digs into things like terrible things like ideas of manifest destiny, Mm. uh, American mythology, like Mm. all of these ideas that, you know, consumerism media, like it it expands and rolls on and on, but it's, it's a huge umbrella that encompasses so much work. But when people are really specifically diving into that with intent in their work. Yeah. I always find that compelling and I always want to know more about it. Which is Oliver Stone's playground. Like that's like he is like from the beginning, from the the origin of Oliver Stone, aside from his Roger Corman stuff, um (laughs) he's 
that's his jam. It's yeah. like, what, yeah. the, what's wrong with America? Mm-hmm. And let me explore what's wrong with America. Wall Street, mm. Platoon, uh, like all, fuck every fucking movie, every movie of his. It's true. It's super American content. Have you seen Bones and All? This is kind of an aside. Oh, good one. Good call. Seen what? Bones and All by Luca Guadagnino. The current film. No, I haven't. Uh, uh, It taps into that for me. Oh, great. The way he captures America is so beautiful. Good pull, Joe. And (laughs) I'm just, yeah, kind of realizing now that that's this oeuvre of whatever this work is similar to that. Yeah. And Badlands, which is sort, in my mind, I've watched Badlands. I don't remember what? it super well, but it's it's the Joe opposite. has seen Badlands. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Ellen. Joe has seen Badlands. <laughs> Joe Garber. Uh, Joe Garber. The, you know the guy the, that I've been fucking for the like Virgin eight Voyager. Years? <laughs> do we do a podcast with him? We do, and he's oh. the Virgin Voyager usually. Yeah. Oh, he's seen Badlands. I've seen Badlands. Oh, good. Does that mean he's not going to be mad at me for having seen Badlands? <laughs> No, I still am. I mean, he's just mad at you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of mad at you right, Love in general. Love you, American Joe Garber. It really couldn't be like more opposite <laughs> American American Joe, white wine American Joe. It couldn't be more. It couldn't like. It's like the most opposite place in my mind from what I just witnessed last night with Natural <laughs> Born Killers. It's Badlands is yeah. really uh, the moral and message and and what is shown in those movies is so different okay anyways what did you think of natural born killers Joe? <sighs> god i okay this is a movie that has obviously it's like a classic at this point in the way that pulp fiction is yeah i've heard about this movie a lot it's one that i've like oh, i should watch that i should always watch i should watch that I didn't know what to right. expect at all. When it first started, the whole like skipping to black and white footage, I was like, did Tommy Wazow shoot this? And like they didn't realize like what they were shooting on film oh and digital God. at the same time. Shots fired. Yeah, and I was like I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then, you know, as they're on their killing spree across America and the whole sitcom of his of her childhood and mm-hmm. like all of that, I was so great and so funny and amazing and like the the black and white shots they do that in such a great way that like really makes sense to feel those scenes and to like break it up in a really cool way that i feel like baz Luhrmann is trying to do with every movie he makes you know where it's like that or what was the babylon that director is like trying to do that but they do it to such a great effect and then we get to the the prison half of the movie yes. and it's sort of ground to a halt at that point mm. for me where I, I just it felt like it kept repeating itself the mm. i was getting sick of the black and white and and the like frenetic editing and the characters were just like the caricatures and then it was like he, trying to make this arc happen that just they didn't earn at all. So it really fell apart after at that point. Up until then, I really enjoyed the mm-hmm. whole the movie. Like it was funny. I, I was not expecting it to be so funny, and it was. Even though it's like about these murderers on a murder spree, like the 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 back uh, the 
projections, the rear projection. when they're in the <sighs> car. Those are my favorite shots in the entire movie. Like you would think that would just pull you out of the movie, and it just pulls you more into the movie. Mm-hmm. the The way they did that to just show that you're like how you're. It's like Fear and Loathing Las Vegas sort of style of like you're in the these characters minds mm-hmm. and the bridge scene in in taos and yes. like all of that stuff was i thought just it was felt so fun and free and like kind of inspiring i can see why i have a lot to say i'm sorry like no I no no this is amazing yeah, it's just it's <laughs> like the i can see why it it has this classic status and i can see why the violence of it appeals to young people in that in the way that it does where it is this senseless violent movie of and it gets that out and whatever whoever wasn't behind that oliver stone or or quentin tarantino or whatever i can see why people relate so hard to this movie like because it's just that it's just pure violence and wild it really reminded me of wild at heart as well Oh shit! That was the other yeah. movie that I was gonna bring up. I'm sorry. In my minute max, I wanted to bring up Wild at Heart. That was my. Yeah. I I had a trilogy before we got to this. And totally. I, yeah. yeah. It totally makes sense. But I jumped. I jumped to True Romance. I was gonna end on True Romance and not bring up Natural Born Killers at all. And like the fact that I'm so excited to talk about, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. I love like it. that's that says a it lot. Is. I guess it makes me so happy. I I have to say, like I was talking to my colleague Ben about how we were talking about natural born killers tonight. And then he and I basically ran down a list where he's like, is that the one with Christian Slater? I'm like, no, (laughs) is that the one with Nick Cage? I'm like, no, that's wild Wild at heart. heart. Like we literally ran Mm -hmm. down every single like, Oh wait, it's Juliette Lewis and David Duchovny. No, that's California. (laughs) Um, But it was hilarious to me because it's, it just pointed out like that whole like surround of Mm -hmm. these other films that tell these similar stories or are based on the same story. But I have a question for you, Joe. So I think of course, like people are, it's like, you're so right about the appeal of the ideas of the film and, and what these characters embody at different times. But I have Mm -hmm. a question. So I was, was going to interject and say like, do you think that, do you not think that it's the love story that appeals to people when they see this film? I'm just curious. I know those are fighting words. (laughs) I, I don't know because it's really the love scene, the love story is really established in the prison and, and like made concrete in the prison section of the movie. And the love story before that, they are fighting a lot and they're really not after, after it gets out of sitcom territory when they're on their killing spree and they're going across <laughs> America. The, mm-hmm. the love story is fraught. The scene in the hotel when that there's like the woman tied up and she goes off with Balthazar Getty mm-hmm. in the garage is like that's what happens straight after i feel like they get away from whatever their childhood situations are so i I don't know Uh, maybe yeah like there is there is a component of that there is a component of like when they're on the bridge and they get married to each other there is definitely a component of being just free and wild with the person that you love and letting yourself go into that love story so i yeah i i think so there's definitely a component i'm just i i just feel like that's an element of the film that i have not 
um, heard very many people talking about at length or that it's not, I mean, there's so many other things to uh, ways into critiquing this film and assessing like the meaning and value of this or, or, you know, there's always this moment where people are, you know, updating their assessment of this film to sort of see where it fits into our present moment, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, now we've had 20 years for folks to do that. And I think it's always a really interesting conversation despite, you know, my 30 years. Oh shit. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Math. Math. Yeah. Um, time. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe this sort of cursory, like, brushing up against it for me over the last few days really pointed out some things about it, um, about the love story specifically that jumped out to me more. And maybe uh. I, maybe I'm just going soft or maybe I'm just, um, cause I feel like I haven't seen the film more than twice, uh, right. maybe one and a half, but I have read a lot of, uh, critical assessment of this film. Oh, really? Like, like you do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just as out is there. And I yeah. always find that really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, well, what do you know. think, Eric, about the love story component? Of- I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> the love story to me, and this, even when I first saw the movie, and this is, this is because of the actual movie that is presented to us, mm-hmm. um, is, irrelevant uh i also i also find the characters i when i saw it originally the love story to me was not a red herring it was a um it's a device a device but but Mm. uh an un it's an unrequited device uh it it was cheap um I don't know i mean they like i agree with you she's rescued from her dire her in incredibly dire situation by Mickey who puts her into an another another incredibly dire situation mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe this could be just like having grown up with family members who had substance abuse issues and and dealt with abuse uh and and me having to witness that that's just what it looked like to me like was was just bad like the mm-hmm. their love the their reuniting at the end is bad to me. Yeah. It's, and, and yeah, to be fair though, it's not bleak. Um, I don't, find, I think this movie is a cartoon from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never understood the controversy surrounding the violence of it because it's so cartoony. It's literally Looney Tunes. The music they use, the shots they, they choose to use, the color, Ooh, we got the it. lighting, we all of it is very, very, very cartoony. Aside from that. aside from some of the hallucinatory imagery, which is genuinely terrifying. Mm. Um, sure, but yeah, the love story. I think I attached some meaning to the love story because of the Cowboy Junkies song, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was another reason that I really loved this movie in 1994. Was the fucking soundtrack the cover of sweet jane this cover of sweet jane but like the entirety of the soundtrack which was put together by trent reznor it's one of his Mm -hmm. first uh his first um uh music supervisor Mm. deals trent reznor from wham bamboo (laughs) from wham bamboo Mm -hmm. (laughs) leonard cohen is 
like magic to me on the, the Stephen Jesse Bernstein is what, oh, what really Diamond Galas, dude. Like, there's a lot. Yeah. There's so much in there. I really thought that yeah. was Tom Waits when we were first listening to it. Yeah, it, I mean huh. that's that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. That no, era of Leonard Cohen and Tom Waits are very yeah. My first much note was like, like psychically linked. <laughs> losing me on the Tom Waits <laughs> well, and, uh, and immediately. So I'm gonna circle back to my question about the love story, which which was asking you if if you felt like people latched on to that as part of the appeal because you're mm. saying like that young people would fa- be intoxicated by the violence and kind of drawn I to think the it's more the violence, the violence. Mm. but hmm, I feel like for folks that are in a place to be caught up in the violence and to sort of try and put themselves into this kind of crazy um, escapist uh, relationship like this, you know, relationships on the run, Bonnie and Clyde, et cetera, et cetera, all mm-hmm. the examples. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is about a lot about that partnership. It is mm-hmm. a lot about that relationship. Yeah. So for me, those, the love story and the appeal of, of that kind of like insane, reckless violence is inextricable, whether or not the film is telling like a successful love story. But I, I right. also agree that like the love story is is not the point like we're not visiting that relationship as the dominant like it, i i see the love story as a device because yeah. it's woven into the the idea of couples that go on killing or crime sprees mm-hmm. um well and to, so i i also want to the way that i've always seen it like the movie's not about a crime spree the movie is not about uh, Mickey and Mallory. The movie is is this very kind of ham fisted allegory about media, and it's it yeah it's when it when it came out, it was so hilarious. Uh, like because okay, I was one hundred percent target market sixteen year old mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. um, 16, <laughs> 17 year old boy, mm-hmm. and sure. who who like who likes movies, and uh, yeah. I also watched TV all the fucking, I was raised on TV. Like, like most of us were. And every image in that movie is television. Every like there's yeah. television in, in the windows, there's television in the reflections in yeah. their glasses, there's when, televisions in every mirror. When there's, they go into the medicine lodge, it's like too much TV is that, projected uh, across. Which honestly, Mickey. one of the, better scenes of the movie like that the i i love that scene i think that you're looking at it now it does remind me so much of the moment of like afternoon and early evening television at that time Mm -hmm. of the geraldo moment yes american maniacs hard copy moment Mm -hmm. yeah i know like american maniacs it still just makes me laugh so think about that the graphic but, that they use for that too is like so spot on the the whole wayne gale intro, yes yeah, yeah spot on but i think one of the one of the times when he brings it in that i really dislike jumped out at me this time which is how at the very end of the film he pulls footage that addresses it so directly that yeah. i think that's a fail i find i found that to be like just such a bummer because it's like um, oj and uh what else like yeah the, it's menendez like, it's brothers like, right it's like i get it yeah. like you didn't have to do that and it just feels like it ends like 
on this note yeah. where it's like that's so weird so and i don't know spike lee did the same <laughs> spike lee did the same thing at the end of uh at the end of black Klansman, and it re- or, it, uh, it was yeah. infuriating to me because <laughs> he had made this almost perfect movie yeah and then, totally and it ended right. it with like ham-fisted well it, it wasn't ha- it was exploitative i i just uh, like showing showing the charlottesville riots that that ended in death i'm like don't you don't yeah. need to do that like you have made a point with your with your art you don't need to bring this in and then yeah, he also it's... he also ended that with a print song that made me cry so <laughs> but i it's just like oh wow really like there it is Lorena bobbitt like all the oj like just this parade of you know the top tens or whatever and yeah. it's just like it's just such a clunk and a thud at the end because i do feel like even at it's it's most obvious and heavy-handed moments of satire and critique it's still like there's still like an ease to it like it's still like just slips in and out and once you kind of settle into the way it's edited once you kind of open yourself up to the rear projections to the insertion of so much media like throughout in you know, virtually every single scene, you know, where they can get away with it, these little slices and chunks of, of screen time, like, and that's just like, ah, shit. Yeah. And it really is the thing that you're left with, which is disappointing to me because I feel like the, the Gale character is so funny and so perfect. And the, that final scene (laughs) between the three of them is just like, Maybe it's like it's heavy handed, but at the same time, I love it because it is that moment when we really like just take in Mickey's role as like the critical voice, like as, yeah, you know, not the narrator per se, but as the person who's telling us like what's wrong with us. Yeah. And I that's know. such a subverted thing for it to come through that character and out. And so for me, like how you're saying the when we shift to them being in prison, like it is not just a tonal shift, it's a visual shift, it's a stylistic shift. And I do really appreciate that mm-hmm. because it it is just like and yeah. here we are. And there's this walking, talking, like these yeah. like, these characters, some of which we know and some of which are new. I um I was sort I really of like that. I wanted more of a shift. I think I I think I needed more 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 maybe I don't know what like self-awareness or just Mm. the main thing about this movie that I'm I'm curious Ellen about the like critical essays you've read about this or articles you've read about this film because my takeaway from what I've I watched Oliver Stone on Charlie Rose and like some interviews (laughs) and I was just like you know, it, it comes under fire because it's so violent. Mm-hmm. So I was very curious about that. And, you know, there's like eight real life murders that are linked to being copycat mm-hmm. kills from from this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I, I was really interested in what he had to say about it. And he was there was one moment when he was talking about Stanley Kubrick with the Clockwork Orange, which also mm-hmm. came under fire for being so ultra violent. And mm-hmm. uh, Stanley Kubrick apparently tried to pull it from circulation yeah. and tried to stop it from being shown because of this. 
Oliver Stone had the exact opposite reaction where he had seemingly no shame or guilt or anything about any murders or anything happening from the movie, which clearly were inspired by the movie. There was the whole, there's a couple that were like on mushrooms and watched it on repeat overnight and then murdered a, a guy on his farm who was friends with um, John uh, Grisham, John Grisham, the, the, author? the author. Yeah. And, and he tried to sue Oliver Stone and the studio Warner Brothers. Which studio? Uh, it is Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers for releasing this movie, which was like, you know, hyped these people into murdering people. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, but did Judas Priest make you kill your parents? That's, I, I, yeah, I so, can't, I can't, I can't get on board with, with blaming a, a movie for the me either. I can't. Me either. That's like, like I'm sorry that somebody. I can't. I feel like we're, killed, we're too far. We're too far into into the existence of human beings and and our our awareness of what human brains do to our bodies. Right. To to allow, um, be, like the Catcher in the Rye has been cited for for causing yeah. people to murder. But okay, this has so, been going on forever. The uh, uh, NWA was were were sued for being inciting right, violence. Right, right. Like this is all garbage. I understand. It, right. I, Although the availability of firearms. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. for sure. But the if lack you, of right, mental health care. Yeah, I always have to say it. If you had made a movie that had this level of ultra violence and you had heard that this couple had taken mushrooms and watched your movie on repeat and then went off and murdered people like do would you feel anything at all or would you just be like those people are fucked up and they would have done it anyways i think i i, I think i would personally feel some sort of something but i don't i wouldn't say like well i guess my art is is dangerous i i don't think that that's that's not the takeaway I would have. Really? The takeaway that I have is uh, mental health care needs to be uplifted in this society. We need to make sure that people are okay mm. before we, before we uh, well, that, like put artists away. Right. That's an interesting question. Joe, if somebody watched your animated work mm-hmm. and then was inspired to... Okay, so well, you have to, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be mostly to, confusing, to, to, but, <laughs> but but if you, if you made, made a work that, like so how how do you do you I, I would feel know, tremendously feel guilty. I would be I would feel so fucked up, I think. I, I would feel oh. in I would feel like I was a murderer. I really would. I think oh, wow. I really would. Like mm. I it would be very difficult to get past that for myself. I would mm. be like, you know. It's it's an argument that can't really be made. I've I've been thinking about this and it it like my friend was talking about this like dating app that he wanted to develop and I was like, "Well, what if what if somebody goes on one of your dates on your dating app and they get murdered?" And it, it was like like in t- England where the grinder killer grinder, right? Where it's <laughs> like you've developed something where these this murderer would not have come into contact with their victim except for your dating app. And it was just like, "Would you feel guilty at all?" And he but, was, but uh, that's like people die. You inv- you create the Model T, and somebody dies in a exactly. car exactly, or right. or you you invented knives. Yeah, exactly. You make <laughs> you make a kitchen knife, and then yeah. someone gets stabbed It'd be with so it. So cool, Joe, if you invented knives. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wish I had been born in time to invent knives. I wouldn't really be able to, to yeah. date you because of all the people that have been stabbed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Marseille <laughs> yeah. alone. <laughs> all blood on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly Stabby Marseille. Stabby Marseille. <laughs> I stab was. <laughs> I don't I'm I'm very conflicted about it. I uh-huh. I I definitely agree with you both of you where it's like yeah obviously like that it's you should be able to say whatever the fuck you want with your art it's art it's it's entertainment it's you know expression and you should you should be able to unfiltered say whatever you need to say mm-hmm. and maybe this stopped uh Oliver from killing anybody like really huh? the, the, <laughs> that's i mean i mean the amount of expression that he was getting out and the amount of ultra violence that was portrayed in this movie i can see that being a release and he talked about it like in a cathartic way i think i'm troubled by the mm. way he talks about it i think i'm troubled mm. a little bit by his just callous very from one interview i've watched with him on charlie rose <laughs> him being so obviously defensive yep. and obviously feel guilty but not being willing to openly talk about it mm. that's where i'm like you do feel something, but he, the way he talks about it and the way you were talking about the cartoon violence and how it, he was trying to make this, it was an attack on the media and how the media talks about violence. And it's like, no, you just made another thing that glorified violence. You, you, he fed into that system. So Mm, for me, the movie in general, it's, it's a failure as a critique on, Americans feeding into ultraviolence or whatever it's it's a failure and it's a naive failure from what I've like where I'm at right now is like he failed at making a critique because he talks about how violence has repercussions violence has consequences and he does not show that at all in the movie from what I saw there was like very little mm-hmm. consequence to the violence that these two characters portray you know like create I, yeah I, I, to me there was no there was no attempt at saying violence has consequences he, in this movie. but that's that's his like that's that's his pr but i feel like the point of the film is is i mean i i haven't um i no longer engage with charlie rose because <laughs> <laughs> of his violence but, although i think at this time when i was listening to george lucas on there and I fell asleep in the bathtub for the only time. In <gasps> oh my God. Life. George Lucas Whoa. is a murderer. George Lucas is an attempted murderer. <laughs> he, he was so boring. He made you fall asleep in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. I think you should sue. Yeah, I was, I had been Charlie like, Rose for putting I George Lucas on. I've been so hyped on that for some weird reason. It was when, <laughs> um, when they re-released uh, THX Body Blah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, it was so weirdly boring. <laughs> um, I guess I don't think of this movie as being a movie about violence. Um, I think that it's a movie about the way that the media feeds off of violence and puts it in front of us to consume mm-hmm. and how that is potentially like a form of, of violence. But I also, also right. think that, that it is, I mean, it's just, it's an indictment of the media. It's an indictment of consumer culture in that way. It's about exploitation. And yes. so the idea mm-hmm. that people would be so literal um, 
as to accuse this movie of being too violent when they're probably like having that conversation on the phone while hard copy is on talking about how Lorena Bobbitt um, reacted to being abused and, uh, you know, assaulted her abuser. You know, it's just like the, I think it it's just absurd for people to have that perspective of blaming art for individuals actions. Mm. The only person you can blame for actions related to art, in my opinion, are the artists that created it. And it's only about the conversation between that artist and the thing that they have directly made. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that people can be blamed for the actions of others when there is no direct line. There is no control. Like, I mean, that's a ridiculous responsibility to put onto artists. But what about when you talk about Trump inciting violence? Trump is not an artist. Nothing he does is art. Okay. Well. But like, what do you? What, what he about? is often accidentally cunning. <laughs> <laughs> but what about when you talk about him inciting the riot on the Capitol? The, again, the there's a difference between a political figure, mm-hmm. non-art, even adjacent, mm-hmm. um, someone who is um, vocally anti-art, mm-hmm. uh, telling <sighs> a group of mindless followers mm-hmm. to. Uh, enact violence right right then someone saying here is what we here is i can't believe i have to fucking defend oliver stone i don't want to do it (laughs) i know you both are like well no because it's i'm sorry because it's here here's an example that i want to give you Mm -hmm. i hate this example but it's it's a it's fucking apt um a woman was raped while her rapist sang the lyrics to Polly by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. This fucking destroyed Kurt Cobain. Like he, he oh, really? was miserable when he found this out. Oh. Uh, it, it, it actually like sent his art into a very specific direction. And it wasn't a direction of like, everything's cheery and cool. Now yeah, everything yeah. is kind and gentle. Yeah. It was, it was a fuck you to these people. Right. And he was very vocally uh, anti-homophobia, anti-sexism, anti-rape culture. Um, it was a fuck you to that person. It that was a fuck you raped. to anyone who, who engages in this activity, engages in or who right. who uh, promotes this culture. Right, right. It's not his fault that that happened. No, it's not the song's fault that definitely, that happened. The song, not. the song has some imagery in it that is very rapey. Yeah, not his fault. No, it's not. No, uh, I can't blame him. No one can blame him. And the idea, okay, so Oliver Stone, let's just say, for argument's yeah. sake, Oliver Stone, around the same time, had a much greater reach with uh, his art. Uh-huh. Like, his art reached a lot more people. Right, right. I'm going to blame the people that drummed up all the controversy a little bit more than I am going to blame Oliver Stone. Via the media. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> because what the, the controversy, which is, like, one of the themes of the movie is that the controversy of all this stuff creates a demand it makes everyone love it like everyone mm. wants to consume it. it's the same thing that people do with reality tv shows with mm. the kardashians and the real housewives mm. the most abhorrent human beings on earth the difference between kurt cobain and oliver stone is kurt cobain had a reaction to his art affecting someone's real life in a way that was so 
fucking horrible. Okay, and then we wow. get to Oliver then we get Stone to like personality. Didn't <laughs> like the personality of Oliver Stone is disgusting. Like that's just that's uh, just a fact. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> for the, me, the thing. <laughs> I mean, that to me that's a, if we're talking about how Oliver Stone uh, responds to that characterization about his work or. Mm. Um, the idea of him being at fault mm-hmm. or deeply complicit. Um, that's a different conversation to me than whether artists are responsible for the way that people take in their work. Yeah. That is something that you cannot control because right, even if right. you are someone that communicates your intent so beautifully that 99% of the people who experience your art absolutely fucking get it exactly the way that you intended it. Yeah. You're not responsible for the 1% that just doesn't like, yeah. it's, just, it's just not, that's just not something you can't be. that you can you control. And therefore it shows a lack of calculated intent that would be required for things like the legal definition of inciting yes. uh, yeah. behavior. Right. So for right. me, like there's a lot, a lot of stopping points, but, but I yeah. get what you're saying in terms of just the individual response as you're describing yeah. to me of Oliver Stone. But at the same time, when you, when you think of the time period that he's making this film in and, and even, and when you think of it now, when it's like, you can't throw a rock in any direction without, hitting a true crime thing like people need to it's it's yet again like a moment for that conversation where it's like wait what what begets what like our appetite i mean we are bloodthirsty our appetite to like pick 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 at these wounds is profound and people you know have analyzed it all the different ways but ultimately the simplest thing to say is we all know that about ourselves like we we clamor for it yes and so how are you going to hold people accountable for the fact that they are connecting to some part of themselves that's extremely human yeah it really goes back to the core of what this film is about Mm -hmm. because the media is responding in as much as they are generating it and whipping everyone up into this frenzy and everything just sort of tumbles over itself like chicken egg human humanity you know i don't know like what comes what's who is more responsible i don't think that anyone can tell at this point i know it's a it's a it's a chicken and an egg and it's a schrodinger's cat in a way where it's like would those people have murdered people if this movie didn't exist? You can't argue that they wouldn't. Why have. don't you sue mushrooms? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah sue I, mushrooms. I, I, I mean, think... please don't sue mushrooms. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please just leave them be. This is, this is like, it reminds me of when, okay, first off, the, when did the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads hit the streets? Uh-huh. 1994 when this didn't that have released. to be like the 1920s or something? Oh God, like it right? had to be like, with the advent uh, of when? newspapers. So, yeah. so it's not new. Also, gladiators. Yeah, it's totally, not yeah. new. Right. We, like, we humans, uh, killed Jesus for fun, like <laughs> in public. <laughs> it was a show. It was a show that people went to. Yeah. So f- you know, whatever. I'm just not. I can't. I can't with art. Like <laughs> art, I, art is art is inherently harmless. I fully agree with you. I think what what I am talking about is his reaction to yeah, his own art. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like he's kind of a dick. He and- sucks, and his <laughs> his uh, like whatever PR statement he had for this movie was completely wrong, and it and he and it's hypocritical. Yeah, because 
this is gratu like the gratuitous violence is made to look so fun in this movie. It, it, like when the diner scene, when she's dancing, she beats the shit out of that guy and she, they throw a knife at somebody and like, <laughs> I, we follow the knife I and then the bullet, then, then they're like in a shootout and it like looks so fun and yes. like they're carefree. Mm-hmm. There's no like comeuppance for their violence, like yeah. zero. What's one of my things? No, I know there's, it's, it's a uh, impunity. There, yeah. there, there's, mm-hmm. there's no, yeah. they can do whatever they want. And, and, but there he, is no... but then when he's on this interview, he's talking about how there is, you can't have violence without uh, some sort of punishment. And, and he's talking about how violence is so gratuitous in the media. And it's like, this is the media. Like, it's the same thing in my mind. It, it, him, the media making violence, if it bleeds, it leads, whatever, is the same with this movie. It's the same thing. I don't I don't see a difference. I, you know what? I, I agree mm-hmm. with you there. I do agree. The that the the nature of making a piece of art that is critiquing the commodification of violence yeah. by mm-hmm. making a piece of art that is so yeah. commodified by violence. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, that is to me that's also that's just how art reacts to things but here's another thing well it's like a, there's i can't remember who said if it's it, like what if is it was satire Werner, yes exactly but it's like if if it was Werner herzog or or maybe it was someone before him mm-hmm. who said that it is impossible to make an anti-war film right because by its nature you are making an exciting exhilarating yes piece of media yeah and on top of that to get those war machines to make those movies from yeah. the u.s military yes. you have to be like somewhat pro-war totally to, to be but, able to use those but machines. interesting right i had that conversation with someone because of all quiet on the western front which i just watched yesterday mm-hmm. where it's just like oh God. and i will never watch again <laughs> but i don't know joe you're almost making me want to cave and watch oliver stone on charlie rose but again (laughs) i it's i cannot it's infuriating the way he is so from the get-go obviously there's a lot of turmoil going on in the media about him and he is so clearly defensive from the Mm. start of that interview when you talk about somebody who knows that they're wrong and they're just trying to deflect and be so defensive and just it's just so clear. And if he had just said, this is my art, like it's about, it is ultraviolence and it is an, it is cathartic release from what I have inside of me. I had to get this out of me. If he had just been honest about that, which I think is what this movie is. And I've, we've seen it before. Like you said, we've seen it countless times before where people can relate to this violence so hard because it is innate in us it it, we are violent creatures and that and we try not we try to not have that in our society but we do relate to it and clearly we relate super hard and that's what this movie is critiquing but it's in my it's not critiquing that it is taking part in it that's the thing Hmm. it's taking part in the violence i disagree i disagree too but that's but i don't know like i i i can't tell if it's a messaging issue where it's like because this is from 1994 and it speaks in mm. a very 1994 vernacular 
of yeah. specific like tabloid television, mm-hmm. which is a very specific language. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of get it. There's remnants of it in reality TV, which neither of us watch. Mm-hmm. Like neither of us. Well, you watch Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, same shit. Mm-hmm. Just like they haven't gotten to the point where they're killing each other yet. No, but, it's but they will. Like it's people coming. at each other's throats. Um, yeah. I just, I, I've never, like, I've never even thought of Natural Born Killers, the film, as being about anything other than the exploitation of violence. And I think in its, in the film's exploitation of violence, it proves its point. I, how, how? Because it was a hit. To me, and that... we're so, we, we have we've just talked for sixty five minutes about this, and we haven't even I know. dug into the movie. I know, we have is... only talked about like the aura of the film. But right. is it so, different from a Clockwork a Orange? Mission then? accomplished. No, it's yeah. the same. Like this is the same conversation that people were having in nineteen eighty. Right about a Clockwork Orange. So I I can't like I think a Clockwork Orange is a far better film. Or I think Stanley it? Kubrick is a far better filmmaker. Was it nineteen sixty? Uh, oh, it's much older than nineteen eighty. I'm just saying like. I'm giving us oh, uh, oh. gaps. I see. Uh, but <laughs> I just, I, I, it's not about the quality of the work to me. It's, it's, if we're talking about the responsibility of an artist, then the quality of the art doesn't really matter. It's, I, I'm not even talking about the responsibility and how, how art is received or, or the copycat murders from this movie. I'm talking about Oliver Stone copping to the fact that this was a, it was a violent, cathartic release for him yeah and in the way that anthony burgess when he wrote a clockwork orange was a violent cathartic release for him yeah and, and, and like jg ballard did and, that and with... the and the mm-hmm. fact that how many young probably mostly male i would imagine people love natural born killers or all of these pieces of media it's a proxy cathartic violent release for them yeah and and this energy of violence it's not separate from what the media is doing it's not separate in my mind the separation for me is that one is created for your enjoyment and one is really happening to people stories and and another entity is exploiting the real life thing right that happened for your entertainment fucked up so nothing in natural born killers (laughs) happened in real life like just right. let, me, let me just put oh that there. well okay wait <laughs> a minute because there was one moment when uh juliet lewis is in her prison cell and she bashes her head into the door yes the there oliver stone was talking about the cameramen had to run straight into the door and the first time they tried it the the cameraman wounded himself so badly that he couldn't work the rest of the day mm-hmm. and then he he talked about how he was like but i'm the guy who kind of like incites people to like do things and like i i asked the next guy to do it and then he got hurt really bad too and ha, we were like out two cameramen for that day ha 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 yeah and it was that's, like that's poor that's poor filmmaking that's like it was like <laughs> it also seems like suck. a gross osha violation I was gonna say, yes. that's an osha issue or like i feel like union union reps were crawling all over that but set. like did they exist at this I point say, because they were shooting in a fucking prison where you had if you had two life sentences that's how you get into this prison this and they was were shooting a prison riot this was the power of oliver stone that's, at that time that is the how unsafe all of those people were in those moments was that sound that's it just I don't, well i wild. also i have to say like i don't think that 
I don't think that they were inherently unsafe because they were in a prison. Uh, yeah. I like. Uh, yeah, maybe not, but like, the, but, uh, we, we okay. I'm not going to get into <laughs> yeah, the prison into industrial that. complex. I'm actually going to suggest that we. If Ellen, do you have a do you have a button for this? Do you have a poke? Because <laughs> otherwise, I want to just cut and get into the the minutia. <laughs> I mean, I do like to talk about prison reform, but if we're not going, I, I really can't. Okay. I can't. We're we're an out. We're seventy minutes in. Prison I, should be reformed. Let's I have just to say edit. That. I have to edit this, and I don't want to have to feel this tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Let's go. Good. So we just Let's we go. can go on forward as no, knowing that Oliver Stone sucks as a human being <laughs> yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Now movie. The what happened in the movie? <laughs> so what? No. So something Joe said that I I was very happy. Like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in probably over ten years, mm. and I had no idea how I was going to react to it. I was mm. very much kind of thinking like, oh, this is gonna. This is going to be bad. Like, this is going to be like going back to your elementary school as an adult and being like, this is tiny. Yeah. Um, Did you feel that way? Yes and no. Uh-huh. Uh, the first half of the movie is brilliant. Yeah. It yes. is beautiful to look at. It is a collage. It's if you can get on the ride, yeah. it is a fun fucking ride to be on. I loved that first bit. It's up, so funny. Up through uh, the drug zone, up through the snake bite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. After that, once they get to prison, aside from Tommy Lee Jones, who I think mm-hmm. gives a career <laughs> best performance, <laughs> uh, comedic really performance, great. he's so funny. Uh, mm-hmm. I get bored. I get like yes. I feel I feel the drag of it, yeah. which I never did before. I never uh-huh. did before. Before I thought it was very. That was when they actually start bringing up the real the real shit that the movie is about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the whole interview scene, which is just a Quentin Tarantino monologue, which is sometimes fun. Mm. Like I can hear Tarantino in it now. Didn't, didn't really know him then enough Mm. to hear him. It's fun. Like I get it. I Mm. get it all. I get the jokes. Mm. Um, I get the references Mm. as a, as a grown person who watches too much TV. I get all of the references. So it's like, fine but it's not fun the no. first half of the movie as bleak like he i oliver stone's kind of brilliant for casting Edie mcclurg and rodney dangerfield <laughs> yeah. as her parents yeah. and and framing it as a 50s sitcom yes, yes. i like, love mallory is indisputably amazing it's wonderful amazing yeah. yeah it's like very smart because yes. it's it's still scary yeah and you it does give you it does give those characters or it gives us a reason to uh, sympathize with these characters and, and excuse the brutal murder of mom and dad. Yes. And the fact that they let, that they let the brother live Oliver Stone's real son, by the way. Uh, Oh really? Yes. Kevin, Kevin, Mm -hmm. Sean Stone, I think is his name. Mm. Uh, He was also uh, in the doors and JFK. (laughs) Uh, one of my former roommates appears in, appears in the doors. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> uh, Tim Connolly. He is in the con- New Haven concert scene. Mm. And it's super funny. He also um, painted the box of cereal that is in Meg Ryan's um, bag when she has that scene where she's like, I, Jim, I cooked that one. Yes. But who who yeah. did this? Oh, just a former roommate. Oh, he's he's a, a talented 
Now you're going to peek for me. I did love the the parents' fashion sense. <laughs> I was Edie McClurg's uh, outfit was so cute. Yeah. Like I, th- I think my grandma had that. <laughs> and that and even Rodney Dangerfield's shirt, I would wear that today. But I have so Rodney. I rem- when seeing this in the in the in 1994, uh, I knew Rodney Dangerfield as like a a one line comic. Yeah. Like yeah. like mm-hmm. everything sucks for Rodney Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. And what an amazing performance! What a gross truly disturbing performance i'm surprised that he was willing to do this it's he really was not into it oh he wasn't no he was he he was like i don't think this is funny i don't like this i'm not i'm not but he did it <laughs> well he did it because you gotta fucking pay the rent when you're not booking when you're college shows or whatever yeah. anymore when you're not in the cat skills yeah. um <laughs> uh, yeah um Hmm. I guess I'm I'm not able to say whether the tonal shift uh, in the middle of the film. I don't remember being bored by it uh, in my theatrical viewing of it. And oh, I definitely wasn't when I, I first saw this. Yeah, feel like in this as I'm skimming along the surface, um, like Hans Brinker on the river. I. Uh, I have to say I I appreciate it potentially more just because it's I don't know maybe I have to go back and watch it again I just feel like there was something about this second round that it really struck me a lot more than but it's two different things it's almost two different films entirely yeah. right just in stylistically it absolutely is mm-hmm. well it's also it's two different critiques like there it's yeah. it is a moment where he does take on in a very light-handed way the prison industrial complex where it's a warden right. who is who is entirely obsessed with public image yeah i felt i felt like i was being asked to care about characters that they didn't care about developing you, you know like then suddenly i was being asked to care about these two murderers who they you know, gave a sitcom comedy intro to, and mm-hmm. I was being asked to care about them in like real ways that was kind of unearned and just didn't, I was like, uh, I don't care about these characters. Let's just keep going with like the ultra violent, weird bullshit, yeah. crazy American road trip that we're on. Why are we stopping that? I haven't read the Quentin Tarantino script uh, because he's, he has publicly said, like, this isn't my script. Mm-hmm. I don't like this movie. Um, he's come around to it because apparently Johnny Cash uh, said to him in an elevator that him and June really loved Natural Born Killers. Um, hmm. And I guess, you know, who isn't going to change their mind <laughs> about something yeah, when guess. that happens? But, <laughs> right. uh, but he has since published his script, his original script for Natural mm-hmm. Born Killers. Mm-hmm. which I haven't read and I'm not going to, mm. uh, but, I, but I'm, I'm curious if it addresses that because Oliver Stone is yeah. so heavy handed yeah. that, that I wonder he had to have like removed yeah. elements that would have made us actually love them. I know maybe, or he put things in that make it impossible for us to even connect with them. Exactly. I think that that did happen for me. I, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't give a fuck about these characters and I wanted them to die in the end. Like that would have been, I think a better ending. The, the in one it, ending they do. And it's I, a really good ending. I, I think that would have been way better. I, I was just like, oh, they just kill the newscaster guy and then they walk away. And I don't, it was just like, I don't know. It, it just, 
It's, I didn't co- like. it's corny how it ends. It's, uh, it's pretty it's corny. corny. And he, he Oliver Stone's like, love wins. Love beats the demon. It's like, no, that's no, not that's what you showed true. at all. <laughs> I, I feel like the, <laughs> the only uh, thing I want to change in the ending is what I already mentioned, which is that sad run of clips that just <sighs> like, if you didn't get it, this is a searing indictment yeah, of exactly. the coverage of the Menendez trial. Yeah, totally. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's really because, yeah, I don't know. But again, my investment in the film is not massive. Here's footage of Rodney King. Over and over. After we, we recreated his beating under green fluorescent lighting mm-hmm. for, you, for your sound. entertainment, yeah. for you to laugh at. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oliver Stone was the one that was like, we need to... We need to draw obvious parallels to things that Americans have seen on television yeah. over and over again. In the drugstore? For the last two years. I, I was like, why are we in Tokyo, Japan all of a sudden also? Oh, that was, a, that was just a Korean news team and then a, a Japanese news team. That, that, that's, but all the signage was in Korean? Oh, or? that's just a, because they were on drugs. They were high. They were hallucinating. We are... So, we are <laughs> They are the audience, uh, Mickey and Mallory. They right. are the they are us uh-huh. in this movie. Uh-huh. So everything that we well, see is what they are. We're seeing. in their minds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's why Mickey's face goes all weird. Right. That's why. That's why the signage is weird. Like one one aisle in the drug zone was sexual frustration. Yeah. Which <laughs> also went Sorry. Dumb. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. At this point, also, <laughs> like, Enter the Void made a lot more sense to me. Enter I was like, oh, they Enter the Void was just trying to be this movie. Enter too. the Void does some of these things a lot better. <laughs> Ugh, I fucking hate that. It's, oh, it's my only Gaspar No movie that I like. Enter um, the Void is my natural born killers. <laughs> does any thoughts on performances? You touched on Tommy Lee Jones. Juliet oh. Juliet Lewis uh at is, her most Juliet Lewisy. I think she's wonderful. I've always thought she was wonderful. I thought that she gave everything and more in this. Like for better or worse, she showed up to work and gave everything. She's amazing. I love her. I love her in this. Her performance is incredible. Woody Harrelson, I feel the exact opposite about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. He is. You could switch out any role he's ever played, and it would be the exact same thing. Yeah. It, it, I don't understand this actor. Like, I just can't get on board with it. I don't understand. Maybe if this was the first thing I'd ever seen him in, I would understand him a lot more. But it's not. And now I'm like, I don't understand why you're allowed to just like be yourself in every movie that you're in and like I... <laughs> make money doing that. My opinion is that at that time. We only knew him from Cheers, so it was yeah. like yeah, it was like really it, he was fresh. like a a dumb cute guy. Uh huh. So that's, it was so mind blowing. Yeah, for him to be in this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. I just he just his energy level is the exact same as him in like Hunger Games or like yeah, him it's, in it's him Star Wars movie or him he's in like, whatever he's else like he's ever every, been in. Every movie star you have one mode and you exploit it some movie stars to the depth some movie stars i I just watched meryl streep (laughs) i just watched meryl streep in adaptation and then i watched her in julia and julia and i that is not the same human being 
that's not the same set of cells. It's fucking insane <laughs> how much that person changed for those two roles. Yeah. So you can change. You well, can, I think, like, like, you can change for a role. To speak to our uh, <laughs> our part of our mission statement for chain reaction, like like character actors make the world go round. Like the, the yeah. pe- people who who aren't these one note stars, just these just yeah, these yeah. like idols. Um, they're the ones that make us love movies. Yeah, Meryl Streep is a character actor, in my opinion. She is a movie star, but she is a character actor. Like she's yeah. she's been she just happens to be one of the best or she whatever. Or can, she's had like the luck of the Irish. She just molds herself. Like it's just insane how much yeah. she changes. How she's much fantastic. some actors change. I mean, I'm sure this is the first time. But then it's like ever... Daniel Day Lewis also, and and for for better or worse, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. He... And uh, who's the other one? Um, who's the other method piece of shit? Christian Bale. Oh, uh, I thought you were gonna say like these gonna these say Joker guy, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. No, the other Joker. Heath, Heath Ledger? Ledger. No, the the shitty Joker. What's his name? Oh, Robert Pattinson. No, not no, not him. <laughs> oh my god, the guy who I'm... came out of the health. Uh, he was like when the pandemic started. He was at this retreat. <gasps> Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Oh, Jared. Yeah, Jared Leto should choke on his hair. Just don't be an actor anymore, please. Oh, that Jordan Catalano. Did, um, <laughs> did you? What do you feel about the performances, Ellen? <laughs> I, I mean, I always love the Downey Jr. Even when inside, I don't want to, which is intermittent. I have, um, I have a real hard time with him too. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to say. Oh, him. I love him. I yeah. But I, that's again. It's our age again. Because in the eighties, Robert Downey Jr. was like the little brother that you just loved, oh, or something really? like like he, he was. He would pop up in things, and you just loved him. Yeah. In this role, I thought he was pretty good. I didn't mind him being in this role, oh, which says a so lot good. for how I feel about him as a person. But he's him... given it his all. He's really yeah. yeah. I I feel like he's great in this. The interviews I watched. He comes across as this like spoiled rich kid. That's how I see him in general. Where he's like, I don't care about this. Like, what? I'm just like a Hollywood star, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's like that. Level. Are you watching interviews from that era? Yeah. So he was high as shit. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> he, was, he got arrested. He like high, <laughs> high in ways that we could only dream right. of. <laughs> he yeah, is Julian. Yeah, high, high in ways that we could never afford. I right. did and do love Tom Sizemore. I do, I do too. Uh, I what a, a troubled man. <laughs> and rest in peace, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, recently, I, if I saw interviews with the cast of Natural Born Killers at the time that it came out, I do not remember any of them. So I'm just gonna say yes, the Downey Jr. Yeah. I dig it, um, and I think he's great in this. Tommy Lee Jones. I'm just I'm down with Tom Sizemore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's very good in this. I I mean Juliet Lewis, I just think she is is hypnotic to me. Yeah. And it's just something where she, I think uh, maybe this is like TMI but I feel like when she first um came along like I mean I think I think she's brilliant, like super super talented. Um just her performances are just so fluid and even when she's playing the most preposterous character i believe it like i just buy into it yes um which i think is like 
wow. But I think also like I'm mesmerized by the way she looks. She is um, a person who has all the physical qualities that I do not possess. <laughs> um, I, I'm just drawn to people that fascinate me in that way. Mm. And so, but Either way, I think she's terrific in this. I don't have a problem with Woody Harrelson in this, but I don't really have a problem with Woody Harrelson mm. in general because Same. there's something about his wry Woody Harrelsonness that doesn't it doesn't bother me. Like I kind of I kind of yeah. love that he shows up and kind of <laughs> occupies this same space because I think at this point like that's what people are obviously casting him to do. And I think that's kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was something that just felt so like, what? Like, it felt like stunt casting and just crazy enough to be compelling. And there's something about his his overtly laconic delivery, the drawl that he puts on, that sort of just like laid back strangeness like the languor that he inhabits um really works for me with this character i have a hard time imagining a, this character put forth with a different treatment but admittedly yeah. uh, i have not thought about it very much right right but, right but <laughs> i really enjoyed in this viewing the interplay between those two characters and the yes. the, the difference between their energy which mm -hmm. then becomes as the film moves on, it starts to symbolize something else entirely. And um, I don't I, know. I, I, I dig it. But I think I've, Juliette Lewis, this role is just for her. She, she's perfection in this role. And I agree with everything you said about her, where it's, there's something very scary about her to me. And that's like, <laughs> I was watching her on Howard Stern and she just made all of, she made Oliver Stone believe that she could kill him. That's how she got this role, was to make him believe that she might murder him, like in the casting couch. So apparently that's how she got the role. In the casting couch. In the casting couch, <laughs> the casting room, whatever. That's, and that, I can believe that. I could see how she would do that, and, it, and I would believe it too. If she was in the room with me, I would be kind of scared of her a little bit, and she's kind of scary. I feel like the this duality of like the the intense amount of control that she has over her physicality yes. that allows her to be so loose mm -hmm. and um you know it's like she's just pinwheeling she's like it's like the arms and the legs and the everything just get used to maximum effect yes um and it, it's her physicality it's, yeah it's so hypnotic and and great and unique and natural really, really and, good yeah. yeah i just love that the way that she moves through the frame is you you can't take your eyes off of her no. yeah totally that's yeah. that's how i feel and, and I that's perfect for this character it's yes. the only way that you can be she's the only way to seduce you that quickly into mm -hmm. loving mallory and and understanding like you like you have to have mm -hmm. this this charismatic person right mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's just yeah okay so i am remembering why i didn't bring up wild at heart in my minute max mm. um it's because wild at heart is not a about a couple going on a crime spree it's a it's a couple right. on the run um mm -hmm. but it's woody harrelson 
playing Sailor from Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. He's playing Nick Cage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and to a certain respect, it is Juliette Lewis playing Laura Dern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, like, the, these movies are not similar. I don't want to get anyone confused in that. Like, these are not similar movies aside from very surface level shit. Like it's sure. a man and a woman who are young and there's a crime and they're on the run. There's a convertible. And there's a convertible. And like backlit projections. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's sexy. And, Always with and the convertible. Blah, blah, blah. Like there, there is a Laura Dern uh, and Juliette Lewis connection, mm-hmm. like a, an electrical connection between them that mm-hmm. I, that I, that I think is worth mentioning. For some reason, yes, definitely. I was thinking about the the male equivalent to Juliet Lewis. Is it Crispin Glover? Ooh. Is that the like if you had to swap the genders for some reason? I don't know. I don't know why I even started thinking about this, but I was like trying to figure out. I think I was trying to think of like because Juliet Lewis has a sex appeal to a certain demographic of people. And I was like trying to decipher that <laughs> because of how scary she is like to a, me. A massive, yeah. So like ninety five percent of people. Is it that much? <laughs> a certain demographic. I'm because I'm so terrified of her. A really, honestly, I'm so scared of her that it, that doesn't even like her sexiness, which they're obviously trying. Like yeah. they do. It's like she's a sexy person. Like, oh, but wait, can I ask? But this? I'm so scared of her that that does Have. not come across. And I can see like Laura Dern is sexy and I but can approachable. See it. Yeah. yeah. And she is. Uh, Juliet Lewis <laughs> is like so unapproachable to me that I'm like, confused. can I ask you this though? Yeah. Are the only Juliet Lewis performances that you've seen natural born killers, yellow jackets and, uh, uh, whiplash. No, what was the one that we watched? Um, she in Whiplash. She's in Whiplash. Is she in Whiplash? Yes. But what was the other one that we we just watched? Strange Days. Oh yeah, yes. Are these the only things you've seen Juliette Lewis in? Maybe I feel like I've seen. Have you seen the remake of Cape Fear? No, and I've never seen Cape Fear itself. Okay. So. Oh my god! Uh, uh, but she's like, save it, she like, save it, save it. Is she like nine years old for that? <laughs> no, no, that? no, she's a teenager. Okay. Mm. Actually, she's probably eighteen. Mm. Probably eighteen, nineteen. That was like her first role. Uh, not her first role, but it was a. It was a very early, early big one. Uh, yeah, I've Juliet Lewis is a yeah. She's just a conundrum to me, and I love her so much. I don't want to. I don't want it to get like twisted that I like think she's bad or I don't like her. Oh no, it's very really, obvious really... that you have a gay man crush. Yeah, on I have like a weird Juliet crush on her. <laughs> But I'm like, why? And like, I'm like, because gay men like scary women. Yes, we're doing a podcast with Ellen. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but like, what is the? I was just like, what is the male equivalent to this there energy? Isn't there isn't one. There isn't. No. no. You don't think so? No. It's not even Crispin Glover because he's like very close. I think Crispin Glover is sexy, but it's not a universal appeal. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Well, that's where I'm confused because I can see why he's just scary. Oh, like clowny Killian, clown clown. Killian, Killian Murphy sort of energy. Like uh, because a lot of people think he's really super sexy. But you have to think about like who is sexy sexy. Like like it would be like I and, and I'm not saying that I think this person is sexy, but it's more Matthew McConaughey than than Really? Yeah, because like it has to be a like universally. Uh, your your body was meant for fucking, and right. your 
terrifying like that. <laughs> yeah. And you're also very scary. Yeah. So like so it's who not, is that? I don't think there is a male equivalent to that. I don't think there is one. You don't think so? No. It's not Woody Harrelson. No. <laughs> oh, no. No. I feel like I I would just have to sit with that. If I I'll circle back. Yeah. Uh, in this lifetime, if I come up with what I think is <laughs> yeah. like is like a good response to that. It's also I think this episode. is a that is a, a I mean a obviously subjective thing because I For think there sure. are there are people that would that would pick like um, Robert Pattinson or uh, what's the what's the probably Jared Leto would probably be in that list. There you go. Like it's just like bat the bad boy. Does I don't know even mm. if the bad boy sexiness equates mm. to the scary woman sexiness. See, I think I'm not thinking of. I mean, are we just focusing specifically on Juliette Lewis in in this role? No, I think Joe thinks about this about Juliette Lewis this way. Yeah, in, in general. In general. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never seen. Do. I haven't seen Yellow Jackets yet. Oh my oh. god! It's uh, don't. Okay. Don't stone me. Um, oh. I, mean, I mean, there's like a scene where she wildly flails her body to like snort coke out of a carpet, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's scary. <laughs> well, who she's, hasn't done? She's yeah. still, she's still. <laughs> she's still. It's expensive. Okay. She is. Incredible. She's still a brilliant physical actor. She's she's still a brilliant actor. Period. Uh, right. She's mm-hmm. doing all the work and deserves all the flowers. Yes. I guess. I, yeah. I certainly would never. God, I hope think she's not otherwise. A I am. Um, I guess when I when I'm like flipping through all of the wrinkled and stained note cards in my mind of actors, <laughs> I think, I guess I'm, I'm just really focusing on what you just described, which is that physicality. So I don't know. I might like text you in the middle of the night, Joe, with like, yes, like whatever the, te- the text equivalent of blurting something out. If, <laughs> if um, I find that person, but I have a sense that it's probably someone who was happening in the early seventies or somebody that was happening in the forties and fifties. I mean, yes. Yeah. Like, is it Jack Nicholson? Like, (laughs) I can see that his scariness. Yeah. Like he's scary, (laughs) but also attractive. Yeah. It's somebody that's like where you feel the, the character like being pulled all the way through like their entire body where it's like coming up from the ground through the soles of their feet and coming down like an out, like the way an electrical current would run through your body. If you are not grounded, like I just think that's how I, I feel that movement in those performances. So I guess I'm thinking about people that have that kind of fluidity and, People always say cat-like, right? But that's not what I'm thinking of. There's just something about that marionette-like yes. uh, thing, a looseness. So I don't know. I'll think mm. that. Actors you would meet <laughs> in a casino. <laughs> Anyways. Why Robert they... fucking De Niro. Mm-hmm. It's Robert yeah, De Niro. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Might be it. Mm-hmm. Why do they wait? They let you wear dangling earrings in prison. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, <laughs> so our link, Joe Grafasi. Grafazzi. 
which I was very happy that he showed up in the movie because I started thinking like, oh no, he was in a deleted scene. Uh, he I was... couldn't remember who we followed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's one of the prison guards during the interview scene where Woody Harrelson grabs a gun and starts shooting everybody and like kills half the room and then they go through the riot. <laughs> he is so cute in this. He's just He's like really scared good. prison guard <laughs> guy. And... He's does he survive? Did they kill him? I they can't kill remember. him. They kill him. He's one they, of the, they kill him off screen, but they do kill him. He's one of the people who gets the shotgun taped to his neck, right? Yes. yes. Uh, In so, a dog day afternoon style. <laughs> yeah. So he, but he's like really cute. He's just like puts his gun down immediately when. Oh when no! My favorite him. was when Mickey tells him to drop it, and he drops the donut that he's holding. Yeah, he drops the like, donut. There's there's like, like all so these slapstick. really great funny moments, and yeah. And whenever this movie gets dark there is something very funny in it which possibly is tarantino um yeah yeah but it's like our link was in this movie for a full five seconds five seconds yeah <laughs> again once again he did a good job <laughs> yeah i thought he was really great yeah ellen doesn't remember him uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh well at 102 minutes ellen what do you oh my god what do you think um are you gonna watch this again <laughs> No. I mean, I don't know. No. Oh, here's a question for you. Um, Great. What do you think this movie's relationship to now is? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Just kidding. It's just been a while since I said that. (laughs) It it feels so good to hear you say it, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say it a lot when we redo every episode of Heart to Heart. Yes. And when we do Charlie's Angels, Friday the 13th, the series. (laughs) (laughs) I think... I think I touched on it when I was talking about the, you know, how now we're immersed in just like hot and cold running true crime, everything. Yeah. And I guess that's like such an obvious and direct line to draw from 1994 and indictment of tabloid media celebrating violence to now. It's not the same thing in some ways. Like it is giving me a lot of pause to consider how, much more desensitized we are to violence and harm and those stories. And I'm, it makes me, this is not about the film, but it, it makes me more curious about what the next step in media is in terms of how it addresses uh, violence and harm and crime and all the things that go into it. But because I don't think the movie's about violence, that really isn't necessarily. The thing I think that that media is so different from just format wise and how we receive information is so spectacularly different access wise and the way that we use it and the way that people engage with it and create it and feed into it. Like it's just it's just so far afield from 1994 natural born killers you know, satirizes and indicts media's role in glamorizing and celebrating uh, violence. I, I, I just guess I just don't even, I think it really just is that for me. It's about considering the state of media is really what is the most provocative thing about this film and revisiting this film is to just look around and consider all the ways in which it is different, but all the ways in which the thing that motivates it stays the same, which is 
our bloodthirst mm-hmm. and our desire to be titillated, our need to looky-loo the tragedy of, that befalls others. I So, you know what's hilarious is that you've brought up true crime twice, and I didn't even fucking consider that <laughs> last night oh. when we were watching the movie, which is absurd. I am a true crime podcast listener. Like, not, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not like a, I used to be a more devoted true crime podcast and documentary person. And now it's, I'm very, very selective. Mm. Um, There's so much out there. You can be selective. Yeah. But that is, it's, it's an ocean. There you go. But it's, it's very, it's funny that I didn't even, like, it is 100% the exact same allegory. Like, if you were to make Natural Born Killers today, it very well could be about a series of podcasts or Netflix yeah. documentaries uh, about the same thing. Like, right now, it's the Murdoff family. Yeah, totally, uh, yeah. And, which is the most disgusting story ever that I have a lot of things on my mind about. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm always curious about that with true crime people who make true crime media and in, in that it's like you are talking about real people who were really murdered like that is and you if you're doing it as a, like a career thing like you can't give it the weight that it maybe deserves I don't know I don't know No but think about I can think of a great example in popular culture that satirizes that, which is only murders in the building. Oh, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's sending up podcasts and specifically <laughs> murder based podcasts. Is well, only I murders mean, in the building the natural born killers of today? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It, it, yeah, it's, totally. It's very pointed and it's, it's really funny and it's really, you know, it is all the things that good satire can be, just those moments when they do touch on it is like oh yeah like i don't i'm i'm not a person that blanches at true crime podcasts Mm -hmm. um but i will say that like when it's done correctly it it is the only time that we hear the stories of the victims like the majority like Mm -hmm. the 90s much like natural born killers is the story of murderers not the Mm -hmm. story of the victims see and now the 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 focus has shifted which I find a little more interesting. And I don't like know. Humane. Well, I do think it's a little humane. I, to, I think it's humane to give a voice and a name to people who are wronged in this way. I see. I or see. is it exploitative? It's uh, it is exploitative. It's one hundred percent exploitative. <laughs> and, but it's but also so not. is everything. It's all the like, things. So yeah. is wearing clothes from the Gap. So is buying a cell phone. So like everything is exploitative. You're exploiting someone in every action you take as a capitalist society American. I think this well, is where I'm a little bit diverging from your opinion about mm-hmm. this film and the media and our fascination with murder and bloodlust and, and all of this in, in that like I the media during the 90s, which like I don't think I lived through as much as you were as like, uh, you know, mindfully as you two did see that where it's like with the clockwork orange, with this, with badlands, with all of this type of storytelling, it's not like, I, I just don't see it as all negative. Like with true crime, it's not all just voyeurism, exploitative negativity. It's that we connect with it on a level of, a primal violence it's just 
not and that's not i don't think that's negative necessarily and it's human it's part of our experience of the world it is a violent world that we live in you know it's like not it's not all like sunshine and rainbows it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that that there is a level of voyeurism there's a level of exploitation and there can be to certain degrees but the way you're saying that they're telling these stories now versus how they told them in the 90s isn't that different the way that people are the why of people connecting to these stories isn't that different in my mind well, i think you're right I think, yeah i'm 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 not saying that to clarify like i'm not saying i'm not in denial about the reason why we're drawn to it mm-hmm. and i i'm not categorizing it as negative mm-hmm. um the question was how is it seated in the present mm-hmm. from my perspective and so that's what we're talking about the yep. true crime thing right. but um i think about and i probably talked about this before on the pod maybe but i think about this exhibition that i went to see that was um kind of an example of all of the, <laughs> these things like distilled uh-huh. into an experience and it was at the museum of the city of London and it was, um, an exhibition about the black museum, which is the evidence museum that they use as a teaching tool for Scotland yard. Mm. And it was the first time that anyone who was not employed by Scotland yard was given access to see, um, these materials. And it is exactly what you would guess Uh it was evidentiary material from these incredibly well-known cases um and it ran the gamut you know from the trunk murders to ira bombings like it was wild Mm. and it was all the things it was fascinating it was disturbing it was packed with visitors and at the end of that experience they there was a short film um in a space that had a lot of seating and it it was on your way out and it was a film where they spoke with i have talked about this on the pod sorry everybody Mm -hmm. but i think it's worth revisiting because it's what they did i think was super important which is they had a film made in which they talk about the making of the exhibition and they focused on uh the thought processes about what their responsibility was. Was it irresponsible for them to be putting this material out for the public? How do they reconcile that or engage with families of victims? How are they honoring victims? And there was a whole process with this that involves engaging with um, people representing victims at large and specific victims. Um, it It was just a very thoughtful and uh, it was a great jumping off point for the conversation, especially right after you had shown up clearly with the intent to experiencing, you know, a um, mm-hmm. uh, trunk soaked with brain juice from 1942. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, right. I, I think about it. <laughs> I think about it a lot. It just began that conversation and left it open for consideration and I thought it was just a great way for an exhibition to address that. Um, that is amazing. So, so, you know, it, I think it, those are the questions that I have and, and anyone who knows me knows that like back when all you could scratch up was uh, lurid paperbacks 
about the Zodiac Killer and 8,000 episodes of New Detectives. Oh, my God. Um, or Skagnetti on Skagnetti. <laughs> yeah, that I just had such a lust for that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm certainly not saying that I'm not right there with everyone. I think it's been tempered over time with just an oversaturation. Um, but also, like, it, there's an ebb and a flow, I've realized for me. Mm-hmm. depending on what's going on in my life as to how much I can take. And my appetite has certainly been tempered, but Me it's too. still definitely like a thing that it's like grotesquely. And I'll just say it. I mean, like it occupies a space for me in terms of reading and watching that is totally like a, a warped comfort food for me. Like it's mm-hmm. the easy get mm-hmm. when I do not want to think very hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it says a lot that how like excited I was to talk about this and how much we've talked about everything but the movie sort of. I know where it's like it is an it's... idea uh, and about culture and about American culture and about what was going on during the time and what's still going on. So it is, it's a very interesting movie. I think it's important to hammer home how American the the movie is mm-hmm. um and how much how much it is a uh admonishment of america um but it does 100% display violence as america's main export that's the thing i so, don't but, well, i no, can't no, no. disconnect it you don't have to at that time mm-hmm. that's what we were given everybody we were giving mm-hmm. everybody Lorena Bobbitt. We were giving everybody the Menendez brothers. Mm-hmm. OJ Simpson. Right. Like it was, and it it was at a moment where uh, I'm not going to say the media. I'm going to say our newspapers and our, uh, our magazines and our television networks were aware of how mm-hmm. globally people want this information. Right. So... That's where it comes back to the original question about Oliver Stone for me. And it's that he didn't create this need for violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, the media didn't create this need for violence. I think it is an inherent need. And I don't think he was honest about what he created. I don't think he was honest about his, why he created it. He's, he's going to be defensive. He's going to, he's, he's going to say whatever the fuck he needs to say so that he can get the money to make you turn. (laughs) <laughs> which was a oh piece of fucking shit oh my god or it was a savages you was that really bad too savages wasn't as bad savages is fun oh really i think savages is fun there's a lot of oliver stone shit that i think is very enjoyable <laughs> i think some of it i think is is poignant and great some of mm-hmm. it i think is like the best pulp you could imagine the the fact that he got this released on a major studio at this time is pretty fucking insane. He like that won this Oscars, he had yeah, he, he was this, like he was the man. Whatever the human being it's like I don't I also don't want to defend him and put him on a pedestal and like promote him but to get this film released at this time on a major studio seems like a feat that would have been impossible. It's, this seems like a movie that should have been shelved by that studio a thousand times over, but somehow still got released. And it seems like people everywhere kind of knew that that shouldn't have happened, but somehow it still did. Like the, the Charlie Rose interview, that's like my main touchdown is like a year. Uh-huh. I think it's like 
before the movie's released. I think it's the same year. Oh, there even was yeah, he, the controversy existed even before the movie. Came out. He is like this shouldn't be released. Like it, it was like clearly he was just like this shouldn't be coming out and like But I think something else to take on in terms of of historical context is what Eric was referencing the Tipper Gordonness of it all. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much a moment of you know, the 8 billionth culture war. Um, mm. And it's just, just <laughs> people, you know, a studio is going to capitalize on that. That's true. They knew what they had. Yeah. And that they was, knew that it would, it would create a firestorm. And I, I don't, I don't have any feeling one way or the other about that, quite honestly. Um, but I think that what's interesting is that this film, like if you, ask people to name like the five most violent films that they can think of that aren't necessarily horror. Mm -hmm. This movie is going to be cited nine times out of 10. Yeah. But, but when you think about it, it misses for me, it misses the point of what the movie is trying to do and what I think it actually does do. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's just a very rote surface assessment of the film. Mm-hmm. I don't believe like when I think of films that are violent in a way for myself personally that affects me and disturbs me and makes me ruminate on actual acts of violence mm-hmm. and the impact of actual acts of violence this is not on that list for me. Same. It is like such a crazy send up of orgiastic violence um huh. and the history of that super american way of you know, exploiting that and sharing it. And I, I don't know, I guess I just think that that's really where I'm at with this film is I, I don't. Because it's so stylized, do you think? And so satirical, like, because it's not, why? because the violence is not what the film is about. What, what is it about? If you had to say, I believe that it's about, it's about satirizing and indicting media culture. And I think it's about, letting everyone know that we are all part of that machine, that there is no one who is without guilt. Right. No one, no one, I hate to say this and I'm sorry, I don't mean it to be an Oliver Stone joke. There is no one who can cast the first stone in the, in that situation. And I believe that that's really what, what it's about. And I don't, I don't think that lionizes (laughs) it or over, over, which is to me, that's just what it's about. And Why couldn't you make the Oliver Stone pun though? That that would have really driven it home. First, <laughs> cast the first Oliver. Cast the first Oliver. Because Stone. I don't want to traumatize you further. You would have I, killed two birds with one. So so what you were saying about <laughs> about the, <laughs> one Oliver. I the, what what Ellen was saying about the violence in this movie uh, not being, for lack of a better word, effective in the way that you're saying it might be <laughs> uh like i think of braveheart like you ever see braveheart i've never seen braveheart okay so braveheart <laughs> I'm the virgin voice braveheart has some of the most grotesque realistic violence mm-hmm. i've ever seen in a movie mm-hmm. like really really disturbing real what what i imagine is real depictions of violence right right that one best picture right it's no one has ever condemned braveheart he then made a movie called the passion of the christ which Mm -hmm. is a two (laughs) a two-hour torture porn Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is so bloody 
and no one have has ever claimed violence for that movie has caused some sort of bullshit. Right. But but and and it's because that argument is garbage to me. So for me that argument is garbage. There's no reason to the even realism bring it up. of the violence in yes. the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's about the enjoyment of the violence. Well, it's about bit. the commodification of it. Yeah. It's about who's making the money, where is the money going? Follow the money. Mm-hmm. Who's well, who is profiting off of the the natural violence of humanity of american humanity mm-hmm. who is profiting off of it mm-hmm. and it's nbc <laughs> yeah well and fox yeah. are you talking about and war or are you talking about it could me- be like because you know violence. what you know what also happened around this time was the gulf war mm-hmm. which was on tv mm-hmm. it was televised mm-hmm. why would you televise a war and oliver stone himself went to vietnam right yeah and he was, did. It had a had very real violent i don't i don't really know his story of vietnam but he went through some shit it it sounds like from what he talks about yeah. so he knows he knows about it and he's experienced it firsthand and it's like that hearing hearing that about him makes me be like he he knows what he's talking about a little i want to be like he's experienced i've never experienced violence like that you know i i don't know what it does to your to your mind i don't know what it does to a person so mm-hmm. i i can't speak to that the way that he can because he has experienced that and and he's he's expressing that in the way that feels right to him uh and and i think i just think his motivations for making this movie were true and i just wish that he could have expressed that in behind the scenes more aligned with his motivations for making the movie that were yeah. obvious to me and and are true and and are a great way of making a movie because you know as much violence as this movie incited if it did un- unprovable it created as many people who wanted to get into filmmaking and create beautiful things also you can't prove that you can't prove any of this but i'm sure it did you know like that's where i'm like i'm trying to figure out my rating for this movie and figure out like do i recommend people watch this the my gut answer is no and unless you're like of just safe healthy minded enough to be able to take it on and like it's i don't know it's 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 a scary thing especially hearing hmm. the copycat killers and all that stuff it's scary i'm hmm. um, can i just say something about the call four being on television <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <laughs> okay um joe it'll give you time to just sort of sit with what your rating might yeah. be or your recommendation might be yeah um i think it's worth pointing out that the Gulf War is not the first time that a war was brought into people's living rooms no, and no. bus stations and whatever, mm-hmm. but it's the first time that it was brought in real time. Yes. Oh, really? And that's a game changer. Yeah. 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 Totally. Here's the last thing I want to say about it, uh, about the movie, <laughs> about natural born killers. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Natural born killers had to be submitted to the MPAA. Do you know the yeah. MPAA is uh-huh. the is the organization that rates movies. Uh-huh. They are notoriously conservative. Right. They are very difficult, specifically with uh, sex, but with violence to a certain degree, they are not okay. Right. Um, this movie is rated R. That's pretty insane to even... This now. says it all. Yeah. It fit 
all of the criteria for a conservative organization to say that this is okay for public consumption. Yeah. All of the controversy surrounding it, I do believe, was drummed up in promotion for the film. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Huh. And the fact that everyone latched on to the controversy only elevated the implied violence of what is shown in the movie. I think if you would have seen this movie, if it wasn't called Natural Born Killers, actually, even though that that I think is funny, um, that's part of the joke to me, is that mm-hmm. it's called Natural Born Killers. But I feel like if you saw this movie with no knowledge of it mm-hmm. whatsoever, if it, it would play like Harold and Maude to you. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. Aside I, from yeah. Oliver Stone's heavy-handed asshole. Because <laughs> I, <am, laughs> I definitely am coming to it like painted by its public perception yeah. a lot over oh, my yeah, entire life and hearing about this movie. You can't movie. erase. Just like uh, Pulp Fiction, same, similar. Totally. But Citizen Kane. Like I just know that Citizen Kane is one of the most important movies ever made. It doesn't affect me the way that it affected people in 1950. Uh, but it does. I love the movie, but uh, it doesn't affect me in the way that it did people then. Yeah. Like, but is if it bleeds, it leads. Or, sorry, you brought up Susan Kane. Is that a yeah. Hearst thing? Is that is a it, it, Hearst thing? Is it? I don't that's know. Like, I mean, that's Maybe. to me. Natural Born Killers is is it bleeds? If it bleeds, it leads the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like that's entirely totally. its point. It's yeah. entirely its motive. It's entirely its presentation yeah it's um and and i think that he does it in a looney tunes way that i find extremely entertaining for one hour and (laughs) (laughs) and then i really hate that i i i think the exploitation element of the movie is all of the prisoners that uh he uses for quote unquote realism for Mm -hmm. his cartoon yeah disturbing yeah yeah, um, I like the first half a lot. I don't care for the second half. That's, uh, yeah. The things I enjoy about the first half are the the freedom and the just the wildness of the it artistic expression, the, the expression, the catharsis of it. The when you asked earlier, there was a, a moment where I if I was like, if this was modern day, mm-hmm. they would both be juggalos <laughs> and they would just be into ICP and they would not go on a murder spree. <laughs> I'm trying to think if they're, they're like what so juggalo juggalette. What's the energy. well bones and all is the last yeah, movie yeah. that's about this. Yeah. And it's this mm. is this is so okay, this is such a great But that's almost paranormal. So here let's let's go let's go down the line. Like so honeymoon <laughs> honeymoon killers. Just juggalos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Juggalette. But like honeymoon She's killers. Never get over like it. extremely so bleak. Extremely you don't need to. You you won't like it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> extremely bleak, <laughs> very heavy movie about about real serial killers. Yeah. Badlands, very romanticized poetic version of fictional mm-hmm. or well, fictitious but not really fictitious it's based off the um, same people isn't it y- yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh bonnie and clyde and bonnie bonnie mm-hmm. clyde perfect example bonnie uh-huh. and clyde and then we go on we go on through our history we always have folk heroes that are murderers um the legend of billy jean legend of billy jean she never killed nobody. No, but fair is fair. Yeah, fair is fair. <laughs> <laughs> she just won her fucking uh, scooter. I swear, her brother scooter back. Dude, we need to do that movie. I, if we ever have the power to do a live show, I want to do Legend of Billie Jean. Yes. Oh my god, I love that so movie funny. so much. Anyway, 
I we are we are an hour and we are oh my god two hours and almost two no. hours and fifty minutes. Wait, did you not want to okay. go further into your <laughs> along the line of no? But you know what I do want to go into. Oh, it's time Ew. for <laughs> pick your phone. <laughs> Thank and you, Ellen, Ellen for saying you. <laughs> Ellen fully cringe. <laughs> you like validated my gross segue. Oh my god. At some point I just wanna hear all of your segues to just, this segment. Because there, there are literally hundreds of them now. Home office. Get some recording, <laughs> get some audio editing gear, and get it, get on it. Uh, uh, yeah, Mm-mm. Juliet Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Boy. I mean, how can it not be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God is love. Yeah. I mean, it. Uh, I can tell you how it cannot be because this is so <laughs> horribly problematic. But it's Tom Sizemore. <laughs> oh, okay. He's shocker. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. Even when he's just like... he's just the size and shape yeah. of my poke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he is he is almost custom ordered. He really like I yeah. he's there's like a gumball machine of pokes and he's he's the red he's the red one. <laughs> yeah. Uh that was my first choice mm. because that shot of him in his underwear yeah. i was like Damn. well no it's it's when when juliet when he tells this is it's so gross That's everything right, gross. that i love about it is so gross when he tells juliet lewis to squeeze his nipple and he reacts in oh, this very realistic God. that was like very realistic cummy face yeah uh I'm sorry, but it worked on me real well. And then, you know, like, I she, apologize. Then she beats the shit out of him and <laughs> then she kills him. Breaks his nose for real. She breaks his nose for real, yeah. which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then she eventually stabs him in the throat with a pin. That's right. And he survives for like a really long time after that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that was my first choice, but my final <laughs> choice was Pruitt Taylor. Vance. Ah, uh, Vince. Yes. Bruett Taylor Vince. Cutie patootie. Yeah. He was a one of the guards, uh, kind of like thick guard that yep. gets hung up in that weird room at the end because he's dead and like ugh, it's mm. disgusting. But uh he's very cute. He he's been a lot, cute. a ton of things as like just sort of actor that has a couple lines, but he has a wonky eye that makes him very <laughs> Very sought after. Yeah. <laughs> he so he's like the Peter Laurie of, <laughs> of 90s indie cinema. Yeah, he's cute. But Joker Fossey oh. was also so cute. Joker Fossey is always cute. It was cute. Britt Taylor Vince. Not yes, Vince. Vince. All right. Let's wrap it up, guys. What We're done. We? We're done. Hot links. Are we linking or are we recommending oh, it's, not it's, first? Oh, that's right. Do oh, do we do our ratings first? Yeah. Do you so recommend? that's your your app? Ellen, I wonder. <laughs> um, I will recommend that people experience this film. I'm not saying it's going to be like the greatest uh, time you ever had in the cinema, but I had to acknowledge when confronted with the specter of actually putting my eyeballs on this um, mm-hmm. again, 
that that it did make me realize how often I've read about this, how often it is referenced, and all of the things that that means. And I did think about, um, although it doesn't seem like it from this podcast, I did think about a lot of the issues that it brings up and and how differently we and how similarly we occupy that space today as a society. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it is important in that regard. So mm-hmm. on that basis, I will recommend it. I, I recommend it. I think, I think if you like movies uh, and you haven't, if this is a blind spot in your uh, <laughs> movie watching and you are someone who watches movies, then yeah. 100% watch this movie. It's something. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's 100% something. And I enjoyed it again. It was fun to watch it again. I love the first hour. Yeah. I also, I think the second hour, the, the second half of it, act two has amazing things in it. Like mm. wonderful, wonderful things. It is a tonal shift. It is a, it is a, a pacing shift. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's Tommy Lee Jones in fucking cartoon prime. Like it's just yeah, amazing, amazing stuff like there's so many things about this movie that are wonderful that all of the bad things about it are kind of like eh, whatever that's okay yeah i'm coming down total like 50 50 and not that it's a five out of ten i obviously the way we've talked about this movie it is it's like an important piece of cinema for people to watch so if like yeah it's like a puzzle piece to connect the dots for me on other films that have been very inspired by this movie but like i haven't fe- i felt a little that that like sinking stomach sickness that i felt at skinamarink or at watching human <laughs> centipede i felt that a little bit of like just there is that level of just filth and disgusting zero redemption bleak ass humanity so don't watch this if if you're affected <laughs> in that way like it's not necessary to watch this movie it, and especially if you are affected in the way that i sometimes am by movies where it's like you just don't need that dark energy in your life and you're okay without it like just don't watch it then there's there's no need it's not it's not like a pinnacle of cinema by any means it's a fun watch for the first part and then a very bleak watch for the second part so i i don't know i'm like half half and especially if you've ever thought about actually murdering anybody don't watch this movie (laughs) because it will make it seem like a lot more fun to do that and you don't think you need that the way you feel about this is how I feel about like Harmony Corinne movies uh, yeah. and Larry Clark movies. <laughs> like wow. I just I go a little deeper than this. Like this is like popcorn. That's this, like gummo, this, right? Yeah, gummo. Yeah, like I this felt this movie, Natural Born Killers, is a Hollywood movie with movie stars. Nothing it can do can make me can affect me like into my core. There's no way mm. that it can affect me in that way. It is just candy, uh, gummo really yes. is gross but i felt uh, this way about uh, event horizon humpers. too <laughs> event horizon yeah, i uh, similar hmm. event horizon I think, also super fun to me <laughs> i i liked it <laughs> <laughs> um, i i think yeah when i i guess when i think about movies that affect me in the way that i think 
you're describing, Joe, for me, those films are documentary films primarily. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of just something that's like really gut wrenching and upsetting. Mm-hmm. When I think of fictional film that has disturbing levels of violence, I mean, there are so many examples, but off the top of my head, I, I think of, I think of, Films like Straw Dogs, you know, I think uh, of things like that. And so it's interesting to me to hear, I'm totally doing the Oliver Stone thing. I'm showing you like rapid clips of OJ and whatever by like trying to pull in, like just assess like how this movie glances off the three of us in very different ways. I think Mm -hmm. I just think that it's really interesting to consider that very fact it's like we're we're perceiving the violence as a very playing a very different roles yes in the film um i think the way that we're appreciating the film is also different as a result of that yeah but but i i think too like the way we're perceiving it as where it how it matters historically Mm -hmm. Um, is also really different. So yeah, that's really definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's not the specific like. What's the most violent thing that happens in this movie? Like him, him. It's Scagnetti rape- killing the the prostitute in the hotel. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it's like not specific points of violence that affect me. It's the fact that like someone purposefully created a thing. Like spoilers for Skin and Rink. Ellen, <laughs> do you mind? Skin and no. Rink spoilers. There's a moment in that movie where he, there's a kid who is willed by some demon or whatever to stab himself in the eye with a steak knife. And like, it's not like the specific violence of that moment. What? It's just the like fact that someone purposely created that and put it out into the world. And like, there's something about the purpose of it that, and the purpose of the ideas behind uh natural born killers that is troubling to me or human centipede where it's like you plumbed the depths of like your disgusting it's like what Lars von Trier like tries to do and he did sort of an antichrist like the similar thing of like plumbing the depths of despair and like what like the worst possible thing you can think of and putting it in front of people and that energy really affects me in a way that I think even documentaries because it's just it's it's that I understand that that does happen in the world but like just creating it some for like is above it's I don't know I can't really explain it it's just like that someone thought that they should put this in front of people and like create it is like an extra icing on the cake of just disgusting bleakness (laughs) that I just (laughs) Makes me feel sick on the inside, you know? Does that make sense? It's just, like, that's extra disgusting on top of, like, these things actually happening in real life. Like, horrible shit happens in real life. The fact that someone, like, made this as an entertainment, I think, is, like, extra level of just, like, I just feel like that's false equivalency. I I agree with you. And you, your reaction to these things is very fucking real. And Mm. it's yours. And it's very real. Mm. I am never going to say that it's what you're saying is wrong. Right. How you're feeling is wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Right. But I am going to say you need to just continue to realize that it's internal, that it's yours. This is your reaction to things. Right. It is not a universal reaction. 
you are not you are you only speak for yourself. Yeah, definitely. There's, I, I'm glad that you are not like that. You haven't started a website saying natural yeah. born killers should retroactively be I, be banned. With Skinner, <laughs> I thought about that with Skinner Marink. I was like, do not That's see a, this no, movie. Like, like, it, it, it <laughs> is. I think it is because I I do live with you and I lived through the Skinner Marink fiasco. <laughs> Uh, the era. <laughs> where i'm like I, it's just it's because i see the the, the art that you make uh-huh. and you're fucked up joe like uh, yeah. you're, you're not like you're not cute all yeah, the time no sometimes you're really gross sometimes you plumb yeah, your depth yeah totally yeah that's everyone has the right to do that I think, and everyone reacts to these things differently. Yeah, totally. So your reaction to these specific things are very valid, and you are not the only one to have them. No, you're no. you're in very good company. <laughs> you have right. You're currently not. Like, right, right. Yeah. None of this podcast. Like, you're, like me, me I, and Ellen are just like we've seen come and see. Uh, we've seen, like we we will not be swayed yeah. by cartoon violence, like because right, right. we've yeah. seen shit that is really trying to be real and yeah totally. and we've also laughed at it yeah so it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah i think yeah i i feel like for lack of a better way to describe it i was like uh, i'm pleased by your reaction because <laughs> there's so many times and joe i know you know this and i know the two of you know this it's like there are just so many super Joe things that I love about you. And this is one of those uh-huh. things where it's like, I have to ask myself, like, if you had any reaction that wasn't like this, that wasn't just so like yearning for the goodness and so uh-huh. heartfelt and so impassioned and directly connected to like your feelings, like, mm-hmm. I think I would be disappointed and i say that no matter what those feelings and what like right strong uh, passionate expression you're having about any of these things that we're watching like God, thank yeah. you this is like just so joe and <laughs> i need, you, <laughs> really I need you to know that you, you know what i mean when i say that and yeah and so i'm thrilled that you're having <laughs> that, that reaction to oh, good. this because it is a completely different perspective from yeah from what Eric and I are individually putting out there. And I think it's important, but Mm -hmm. I would also have to say, like Mm -hmm. I was about to kind of say the same thing, but sometimes I know people think I'm picking on you uh, (laughs) by by simply having my own opinion. People Um, meaning you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All the listeners. I I do my one pushback on, on your perspective, which, absolutely is not saying that it is invalid or wrong right. is that i always have a reaction about something that might float it out there that there's a right and wrong way and a boundary and a line that artists should not cross because i don't believe that and it is not like right. the greatest uh opinion to have but i have to hold that um, and it doesn't mean that I love everything or that I like am, you know, validating snuff films or anything like that. But no. what I'm saying is like, I have to just like, I can't, I can't have that perspective just because that's where, where I live with that. I totally agree with that. I do 100% agree with you on that. And that's, that's definitely something that I've grappled with, with 
natural born killers where it's mm-hmm. like I fully believe that where it's like mm-hmm. you yes you should fully create the art that you want to create and people who don't engage with it should not engage with it and fuck like they can fuck off and then you can fuck off too whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> it's like there are no so boundaries much fucking on that. off yeah everybody yeah. should fuck off no it's just like <laughs> it's like the, the I don't want to get that wire crossed of I I fully agree with you on that. Like when in that Black Christmas thing, you seemed like you were like uh, I don't know one of those like weird pro man bongo players. Uh, and that uh, I when seemed, when like, Ellen I seemed pro super pro life, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's still the worst. And I was I like, I'm sorry, but incel. chain reaction rules. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> We're all getting we shifted up. Are bringing up the shit. We are really getting into it. No, no, we're I, I'm taking it out and chopping it up. I'm pro Black Christmas. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, this this movie obviously is a it's a pretty profound piece of art and cinema history because it's br- even just bringing up ideas with us and the ideas that it brought up for me were made me watch these interviews with the creators which is like another level of something that i wouldn't do if i didn't care about the movie or didn't think it was like or didn't wasn't affected by it at all yeah Yeah. the fact that i did and like put myself in the shoes of oliver stone and saw how like i was like just thought that it's not that I think the art is bad or that he shouldn't have created it. It's that his reaction to the the consequences of it make me think that he is kind of a sociopath or whatever or like, you know. <laughs> you are getting exactly the right vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, not that, not that. And I, and I just wish he would have said, I just wish he would have been more honest about the art that he created, which is an mm. honestly very affecting, beautiful, ugly, disgusting piece of art he created something profound and I wish he just would have been more honest about that. I think that's the failing of the movie. To yeah. Me, I think, I like, think you're, 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 it's, I, I don't, I don't know if it was good for you to watch a Charlie Rose interview with Oliver Stone. I don't know either. In response to this movie, because then you're just getting a guy who is <sighs> yeah. literally on guard. Exactly. Like he exactly. is J.K. Rowling yes. the entire it's thing. On his heels. Like, I'm using Rowling now as a verb. I know. He's um, Rowling. He's it up. Rowling. Rowlinging. He is he has done something that is controversial. Yeah. And instead of being honest about ta- it. No, well, no, it's not honesty. Like he's he is honest. That's how he honestly feels. Mm. He's an asshole. Uh but like <laughs> I guess like what we think of currently as a good way to go about like criticism is to take in mm-hmm. criticism consider the source mm-hmm. and then respond accordingly consider the source consider the source yeah but so arnold uh, why did i just want to call him arnold schwarzenegger, arnold schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> oliver stone <laughs> <laughs> weird <Ooh. laughs> bottle of wine really does some shit oh. for my name recognition <laughs> yeah. uh oliver stone was sent there with the agenda probably by warner brothers to defend defend his film yeah totally and also he is a he at this point is a multiple academy award winner at a time when that meant everything yeah he he is beholden to his studio he is beholden to himself as a as an artist Mm -hmm. he's he's a man he's a white man who's right so what are you going to do when there's a white man who's right in your room? Yeah. You're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate and value the fact that this film encouraged you and made you curious enough about it to interrogate it the way mm. that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so me too. Okay, yeah. Appreciate like, that. Yeah. 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 And I, I definitely appreciate your opinions as well. Like it's just, uh, we're coming at it from completely different areas I feel, but it's yeah. <laughs> this has been such an interesting podcast for me <laughs> because, and it's mostly because when you chose this movie, I was like, Oh, neat. <laughs> Like, I haven't watched that movie in forever. Uh-huh. And then Travis was like, oh, no. And I went, oh, yeah, it is kind of a weird polarizing thing. And then Ellen was like, oh, no, I don't want to spend $4 on that. And uh-huh. I was like, fuck, what are we going to do? Like, this is going to suck. Uh-huh. Everyone's going to hate this. And then I'm going to be stuck here moderating between you two. Uh-huh. No, um, but, I, I thought that too. I thought that was going to happen. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't shake out the way. Like I don't think we are giving people the Roman Colosseum performance of a lifetime. I don't think. I so. think that I it is a different conversation than I would have anticipated for sure. Is it, no, but this was super fun. Like I, it felt this. Yeah. Am I wrong? This felt way different from every other episode that we've done. Sure. It, it did like, to me too. This doesn't feel like uh, yeah. Black Christmas or or uh It better not. Or Gosford <laughs> Park. Or what was the what was the one that you, that you didn't like? Legal Eagles. Legal Eagles. Like, <laughs> legal Eagles. I didn't address any of my notes. We didn't get to the mesh top that that newscaster wore like you could <laughs> see her nipples. There's so many mesh tops. There's so yeah. many mesh tops. It was 1994. Yeah. Uh, There's also so many 9 inch nails songs in the soundtrack. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> they love um, Oliver Stone loved Wham Bamboo. <laughs> Can we do links? Yes. Yeah, we should probably do links. Ellen, you are up. Right. Okay. I am going to go with Tommy Lee Jones. Wow. Oh. And <laughs> uh, my link is The Eyes of Laura Mars. Oh my God. Oh my God. What happened? You're welcome. Uh, my, well, my choice, <laughs> my link, uh, it was Juliette Lewis, obviously, and it's Cape Fear. Uh, oh. Uh, Mar- oh, yes. Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Yes. Which is the original, right? No. 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 It's, oh. The original is Robert Mitchum, um, and who's the other one? It's Robert Mitchum and both oh, of them fuck. are in the remake. Oh, my God. Uh, Shit. Cory Brewer's going to beat the shit out of me for this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Anyway, some other old guy. And <laughs> it'll come to me. It'll come to me because Cape I Fear. fucking love Cape Fear. And Juliet Lewis, that's it's the Gregory f- Peck. Fuck. Thank it's you. Peck, God damn it. Striking man on uh, the planet. I'm such an idiot. Um uh-huh. that's Cape Fear is the first time I saw Juliet Lewis and was like, You are the most amazing actress I've ever seen. Man, just so much wow. lip licking. But also, who doesn't love the Simpsons version of the <laughs> updated Cape Fear? <laughs> when right. is that when somebody so, hides underneath so, a car and then gets like Yeah, it's so funny. Sideshow Bob death. is under the car. <laughs> it's uh-huh. so genius. Oh my god. But so in the remake, Joe, Nick Nolte plays the Gregory Peck character who is the dad, and Robert De Niro plays Robert Mitchum's character, who's the <laughs> the killer. I love that. Amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, I went with an unconventional link on this one. Where is it? The Hunger of the Series. 
It's the hunger of the series. Yeah, it's it's the, the one in Paris where they're what's it called? Fabric to death. <laughs> what was that episode called? I'm dangerous tonight. I am dangerous tonight. Or fabric to death. Fabric to death is my memoir. <laughs> Make it work. Uh, natural war killers as chaotic as the editing and everything just wild different cameras being used black and white whatever the fuck they wanted to do there's also these animated segments that mm-hmm. are very beautiful where when mm-hmm. they drop the their blood into the uh rio grande they become like blood snakes that yep. entwine together the like snake rings and then it's like a lot of uh woody harrelson mickey running down hallways with guns and and shooting people and then it's like her biting the head off a little rabbit when yeah. she kills. Uh, and these sections were animated by a guy named Mike Smith. He directed the animation, and then he also worked on a film called Tank Girl. <laughs> which oh, my God. Stars Lori, Lori Petty. Petty. And I've seen, I think, one time. And it's based off a Jamie Hewlett comic mm-hmm. uh, who does the animation for the gorillas which i'm also a huge fan of or was of their original material. tank girl another soundtrack movie for me <laughs> oh yeah yeah who's on that soundtrack uh sky cries mary <laughs> oh which is also just like oh, my god another just from my memory of watching it insanity level editing frenetic just bonkers filmmaking, but in in a very lighthearted way. Yeah, but it's a thriller, so I think it qualifies. I mean, yeah, it it's qualifies. a thriller. It's a thriller. It qualifies. <laughs> yeah, I, a... I I love this choice. There's like the kangaroo aliens happening, and just it's wild. Dig it. So that's my that's my choice. All right, here we oh go. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Here we go. We're spinning. I don't have a good feeling. It's Cape Fear remake. Cape Fear remake. Oh yeah! Oh, Eric's getting to his film. Uh, so who? What's our? What's our? Who's our link? It's Juliet Lewis. Lewis. Juliet Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Great link. I'm I so. I believe that that Juliet Lewis that a particular scene is is just iconic at this point. If you're thinking it of the really scene is. that I'm thinking of, yeah. Yes. Mm. Also, there's there's. Ileana Douglas. I we, we so we can't. Oh yeah. Oh we my can't, god. We can't talk about it now. Uh, we will talk. We are going to talk about it next week, and I can't fucking wait. This is so great. Is this the more I... famous Cape Fear? This is the one that everyone loves. No. Right? Well, no. It's no. It, actually there's there there's quite a few people that dislike this version. Yeah. Of oh Cape really? I love them both because the story is just so. I also love them both. What year is the next? Sixty two is the original. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I think I thought this one was the original. The I time. have fun stories about seeing the remake with my mom at the and <laughs> the Narrows Plaza Theater in Tacoma. Wow. <laughs> the poster is incredible. I yeah. was so conflicted about the remake, but with that cast, like how could you not I'm, yeah. find out. We I, have to save this. We got to save next Sorry, week save because I, I all I right now I'm just so excited that I just want to talk about it. <laughs> I know, I'm but I'm not going to do this. it. So, hey, listeners, uh, if you're still with us, thank you so so much <laughs> for hanging oh out. Um, wow. 
I am going to look. Captor Angst. Captor Angst. Okay. So Cape Fear is available on uh, Stars. If you have a Stars account, mm-hmm. you can watch Cape Fear. Because Party Down Season 3 is oh, which, happening. Are you watching it? Of course. It's so good. I'm enjoying, I it. I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, it's no it's natural also born killers. It's no natural born killers. But similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for rent on Prime for four bucks. Uh, I'll do a little more research if I find it anywhere for free, like if it's on Canopy or if it's on some mm. other thing. Uh, I will post it to our Instagram. We will be watching it on my physical DVD Ooh, copy. Wow, fancy. Uh, because it's one of the DVDs that I won't get rid of. Old uh, world. <laughs> physical Old media. World. I will watch the original Cape Fear and then remember that that's not the one that we're watching. <laughs> just watch the original and then like talk about it as if like I I just have such an intense vulnerability to Gregory Peck. I almost uh, uh no no no. Okay, we're going to talk about it later. Yeah, we got to save it for the pod. We're also at 3 hours. Uh oh my really? God. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not lying. Longer so, than yeah. Natural Born Killers. Thank you all for listening. I I'm thrilled if you're still here, I'm thrilled that you were still here. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> please let me know. Uh, you can let me know on Instagram at it was murder pod. Just send us a message and I'll let everybody know what you say. Uh, you can also hit me on Twitter at it was murder pod, or you can send us an email at it was murder pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Danny, we've been seeing your posts and we love you. Hi. Um, London office. Hi. London office in full effect. Mm, uh, yeah. Margaret, did, if you're did, still with us, we love you so much. I wonder how natural born killers hit London. Hmm. Probably extremely well. Really? Yeah. I'm going to yeah, imagine it was very they well. they have the craziest press ever. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, what else? Uh, if you like what you're listening to, please give us five stars and a nice review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you don't care for this, which is weird because you've listened to three hours of us talk about natural born killers, um, just <laughs> just go away. We love you, and you know who else we love? Our patron saint. <laughs> Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway.